is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, November 28th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 295. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that will take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. What's up, everybody? We've got a big coming out of the Thanksgiving weekend Tuesday edition of the show today. I'm Ro. Noah's here. Yo. As we've got a great slate of guests coming in here, as always, congressional candidate looking to represent Washington 3, Joe Kent will make his return. Patriot Freedom Project attorney Ed Martin will be here as well. Georgia Congressman Mike Collins will be joining us. Nevada Senatorial Candidate Dr. Jeff Gunter will be here as well. And we'll sit down with Trump attorney Jesse Benal. Lots of breaking news. We'll get the latest on the Israeli-Hamas ceasefire, or not. The attacks on MAGA intensify in the mainstream media and from the Biden administration. And then we'll look as the economy becomes the pivotal focus of the 2024 election cycle. But before we get into any of those headlines, let's take it over to Georgia and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not nom, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. All right, everybody, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast. I'm Ro Noah's here. Yo. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, welcome back to America's fastest-growing political podcast and getting things started today we're up on capitol hill talking with the congressman who's representing georgia 10 one of our favorites mr mike collins welcome back to the show hey man it's good to be with y'all did you have a nice thanksgiving sir you know we did uh it's always a good time when you can get your family together and uh, our family has definitely grown and everybody's up married and got grandkids so it was nice to have them all sitting around the table this year yeah, it's, it's got to be a great experience. I enjoyed the time with my family as well, my young children, and look forward to the day that I could do that as well. All right, Mr. Con- uh, go ahead, rub it in. I know I'm old. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't saying it that way. Listen, you're younger than I am. Hey, as far it's not the years, it's the mileage. There you go. Well, my, he owns a trucking company. Well, shit. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, keep rubbing it in. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, we're I just-, just trying to make a Han Solo reference. Come on. Well, I love you. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I was rode hard and put up with. There you go. There you go. Listen, I think one of the things Americans are, are kind of starting to focus on right now, obviously the economy is, is engulfing this holiday season, Congressman. We see, you know, nearly 70% of all Americans are using 70% of their total earnings on things like just food, fuel, and, and you know, be able to put a roof over their family's heads. Yeah. People are hurting right now. Over a trillion dollars in credit card debt for the first time ever. You know, Binomics is obviously a failed policy, even more so than the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. And Americans want to know about the government getting back on track and working for them. You guys are back up in D.C., going to be working on appropriations for the next couple of weeks. We did have Speaker Johnson kind of head into the Thanksgiving holidays with a breath of fresh air. You, you hypothesized that it would happen, and the January 6th tapes were released. But focusing in on these appropriations processes right now, um, do you see Congress getting down to what it needs to be doing to get this country back on the right track and, and working towards getting them finished in January? I'll say this. We certainly have the opportunity to. We have got good, solid, conservative bills that we need to get passed. And and, and in order to do that, we've got to stay here and do our job. We've also got to work together as a team to make sure that we're all pushing in the right direction. And we have the ability to do that. 
and, and we've got to get these appropriation bills out. You know, I've spent the past four weeks just over on the Senate side, letting them certain people know that I know that'll help us what's coming their way, because I've got things inside these appropriation bills that I need to see passed too, sure. in order to protect some of these industries out there that are just getting hammered by these regulations. Because, you know, if, if one thing's for certain, inflation is here, and we've got a lot of reasons why inflation's here, but there is one specific reason that inflation is, is hurting small businesses, and it's federal agencies that are freaking out of control up here. They are regulating and passing rules on businesses and, and people across this country, and they just can't make it. They can't make it when the price of fuel goes up or, or things that are out of their control because we have got a federal government that is bent on destroying this economy and destroying the way that you know of way of life that you live right now. Yeah, it's wild. And, and, you know, when you talk about this process getting started again, coming out of the Thanksgiving breaks, you know, we've talked with a bunch of different yeah. offices over the course of the last day or two. I've been in contact with Speaker Johnson's office. We've reached out to and talked with Wesley Hunt's team, uh, Congressman Mills and, and Crane, a couple other ones, Representative Klein's up there as well, someone who frequents the show. It looks like you guys are setting a new standard as to not be married to that congressional calendar is that you know, when there's a lot of time off or there's time in district, there there is times to go down there and meet with your constituents, hear their concerns and this, that, and the other thing. But coming back off of the holiday, you, you know, some of the America First representatives in the House are back up there early and bitten at the chomp to, you know, get back to work and, and, and get these appropriation bills done in a timely manner. I mean, no one wants to see another continuing resolution. And if we get to the end of the current one, we're going to be talking omnibus and nobody in America First wants to hear that. No, you can count on me to say I will not vote for an omnibus, minibus. Any type EV bus, I don't care what the bus is. It's not going to be voted on with a yes from me. But but you're exactly. I'm going to tell you something. It's we've got, and I've told you all this numerous times that we we've got a real short job description. Yeah, we're supposed to be in our district to take care of our constituency, and and thank God I've got a great team in my district. But it's almost embarrassing to go home knowing that I have not done my job in D.C., which is oversight of this federal government, and passing those appropriation bills. It, it, it sickens me that we don't stay up here and do our job. I'd rather stay here all the way through the weekend. I don't care. I just want to make sure that we do what we're supposed to do, and that's pass those 12 bills, get a budget passed, and get this thing ready to go for next year and come out of the starting blocks and get our work done on a timely manner. Uh, being a freshman up here, this time, yeah, you got me. They got me. Otherwise, I'd have been screaming from the day that I got here about these appropriations bills. But by God, next year, if we don't get our appropriations done, then it's shame on all of us because now I know. And, and we've got to take care of our, our, our duties up here in Washington. No, especially heading into an election year when you guys are looking to retain the House with a, a, a prominent Republican at the head of the ticket, it, it should be a year where everybody's kind of got a little bit more enthusiasm going in to get this stuff done. Now, Congressman, I, yeah, I, well, you know, and it, I hate to interrupt you, but go ahead. I'm going to tell you something. It, it, people, people say, Oh, well, you got to be in the district. You got to be in a district because you know, you've got to make sure people vote. You know what? I honestly believe that the American people would think more of us if we stayed up here and did our job, correct? Because they're watching. Everybody's watching now. So they will reward you for doing your job. And instead of running back down to the district to tell people what you want to get back up here to try to do. 
No, just keep stepping on this to get it done. That's a great point you make. You know, I think you guys are setting some new standards. You guys are up there on off-calendar times. In addition, you saw a lot of the votes going into the late-night hours and early morning hours, yeah. and, you know, heading up into the continuing. There were a lot of senior representatives who were complaining about that stuff, but then you see the ones who are championing it. It was yourself, people like Eli Crane. Yeah. Corey Mills, Rep Luna, people who come on the show all the time. And, and we know you got to break this mold if we're ever going to do things differently. And I think you guys, this freshman class has done an amazing job in, in doing that and moving forward. I think it's going to help set new standards and, and widen the, the, the job description that you guys go up there to do. Oh, amen, brother. And you know why? It's because we've got the rules that are set up for success. Yeah, we've got a 72-hour rule, that, 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 and that's good. I mean, at least we don't have to pass the bill to read it now to know what's in it. And, and so what if 72 hours winds up that, that by the time you get through a debate, it's 11 o'clock at night, it's 12 o'clock at night? That's okay. You know, we, we've, we've been up that late before. How many people have stayed up that late to watch a ball game or the NASCAR race that got rained out? Tons of times. So I have no problem with staying, and I think I think a lot of I think a lot of people are seeing that if you're going to play with with the rules that we have, which are fantastic, then sometimes you're just going to have to endure just a little bit of late night work. Yep. and uh, that's I'm fine with it. No, I, I think it's a really good thing. Now I want to do kind of segue a little bit, but stay in the same thread. We're going to talk border security here. Yeah. I saw uh, over the weekend Chuck Schumer put out a, a statement that said they're looking to vote on some of the aid packages coming out by December 4th. That's going to be towards the end of this week, and that's for Ukraine, stuff for Taiwan, and then what the Biden administration is asking for in border security. We kind of broke this down a little bit. It looks like faster processing for people already here and then faster uh, ways to the border for people that are on the way. You know, by House Republicans and America First, especially yourself, Congressman, pushing back on this stuff, Chuck Schumer has gone on record saying that you guys are creating a normally bipartisan issue and turning it like hyper political. However, when you look at the nearly 10 million people that have already crossed this border unabated into mm -hmm. the United States over the course of not even three years yet of Joe Biden, at what point do does the rest of the, the you know Senate and the Congress have to say we have to pump the brakes on this and start looking at some comprehensive ideas to get us to better border security? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's already been past that time. And and here's the thing about uh, Schumer and him. I think they understand that the American people are beginning to to really call for some action down at the southern border. Uh, it, it's way past time that we finish that wall. It's way past time we start deporting these people that are here illegally. It's it's way past time when we start giving our Border Patrol agents the, the tools that they need to actually do their job and not make them become glorified tour guides in a lot of ways sure. and just helping these people get across the country to stay where they want to stay on our dime and, and also put them up while they're there. So I, I think that the time has come. Uh, you talk about Ukraine. I just got through giving this uh, speech yesterday to a group in Atlanta, Georgia. I am not for funding any more money to Ukraine. That's enough. The European Union is sitting over there. It's time for them to step up to the plate. We have done way more for Ukraine than anybody in the world. And, and the, the, you know, the sad thing is the answer is staring us right in the face because it is the same thing that prevented Putin from doing anything during the Trump administration. And that's by us becoming energy independent again, which is the only reason that that guy is, is invading Ukraine, because he's got extra money to go do it. Put that guy back economically broke and he won't be able to, to invade anything. It's, it's the truth. And, you know, you see Putin, it kind of went under the radar with the Thanksgiving holiday, but he's 
taken the restrictions off of some of the places he wasn't selling oil and natural gas to over the course of the last like year and a half of their operation into Ukraine. And all that's doing is allowing him to, you know, restock his coffers with cash and then yeah. be able to cut those pipelines off again, both metaphorically and literally to, uh, you know, hold the world hostage and, and rise gas prices. The first place it always hits worse is here. And, and, you know, you can only assume yep. with the holidays coming, that's probably what the plan is here. All right, Congressman, I, I do want to talk about some of the stuff you're working on personally, uh, recently you introduced a resolution in the House condemning D.C. leadership for the crime epidemic going on there. I want you to tell our listenership all about that. I mean, you're, you're talking about a time right now where you have seen congressional staffers beat up on the streets by people who are trying to rob them. You've had a, a congressman over the course of the last couple of months carjacked at gunpoint. No one wants to take accountability for it. Mayor Bowser wants nothing to do with it. Neither do the D.C. police. But uh, how are you looking at this? Well, you know, and, and you talk about carjacking. You know, uh, they they set a record on Thanksgiving Day, the 901st carjacking for the year. Can you believe that 900 incidents of carjacking just in D.C. for this year? That's wild. Yeah, it's wild. You, it, everything else, violent crime is up 40 percent, robberies up 68 percent, homicides up 34 percent. Just regular old vehicle theft is up 93 percent. Now, y'all, this is just this year. And, and the thing about D.C. is it's not just a town for people that live in D.C. This is our nation's capital. Yep. This is where people come up here to visit, to see not only the, the, the sites, but to see their government at work. And when they have to be afraid to come up here, because we have we have a, a, lo- a local government home rule type of government here that is unaccountable and, and really have... Uh, such a disrespect for the law enforcement anyway, and, and it's a gun-free zone. And and look at the crime statistics. So what we're doing is we're bringing that to light. Honestly, I think that if it keeps going, and it will, we need to take a hard look at home rule, at what we've been giving them and, and how we've taken a hands-off approach. And we've done this for decades of, of D.C. and letting them uh, you know, institute their own laws and, 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 and rule here. But, uh, you know, when you can't even walk outside or raise the window of my office building here and it smells like skunks up and down the street. I mean, how do you expect us to to show this off as a showcase to the world? Right. No, I mean, I think the, the one thing that you guys have in your favor outside of, you know, coming up with resolutions like this, which definitely is a long time coming. I mean, the way D.C. has been on a strategic downward spiral for the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. It's kind of really been on display with Joe Biden coming into office and, and just no one caring about crime because it's not a, a Democrat issue is, you know, the benefits that DC is allowed to have in regards to policing themselves. And like you said, coming up with legislation that uh, lawfully governs them and stuff, it's time to start hitting them in the, in the person and in the funding and in all of the, you know, exclusions that they get from the Congress, because obviously they don't care. They're going to take this as probably a badge of honor. But at the end of the day, like you said, people are dying on the streets, getting robbed left and right. And, and when you want to showcase the nation's capital to the rest of the world, you either have to do what Gavin Newsom did in San Francisco or just not take them around. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amen, brother. You know, and 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 that's the thing. This resolution sets up the, the the groundwork for what could come next, and that is taking over the funds, taking over the process, making sure that we we have input into what these people are doing in, in the in our nation's capital, and it, and it needs to come quick. 
Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how this goes moving forward. I think this is a battle that you guys are definitely in the right of. And uh, we're going to be tracking all the great stuff you've got going on, Congressman. We'll be looking to hopefully have you back at some point in December as well. We're going to be live linking your congressional website in the show description today. Anyone that's not following you wants to check out all your great work, where can they check you? Oh, they, they can find us at Rep. Mike Collins. Absolutely fantastic. As is always when sitting down with the Congressman representing Georgia 10, Mr. Mike Collins, thanks for joining us on the show and getting the show started. Hey, listen, I appreciate it. I hope to talk to y'all before, but if I don't, y'all have a Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll start off this new year kicking hard. So y'all keep on trucking out there. Thank you, sir. You as well. I'm hearing a lot, but I'm not going to speak to it right now. There's an overwhelming desire on the part of the region to let me back up. I cannot prove what I'm about to say. But I believe one of the reasons why Hamas struck when they did was they knew that I was working very closely with the Saudis and others in the region to bring peace to the region by having recognition of Israel and Israel's right to exist. You may recall when we did the G20 about a little while ago, I was able to get a resolution, a a statement passed through there saying we're going to build a railroad from Riyadh all the way through the Middle East into into Saudi Arabia, Israel, et cetera, and all the way up to Europe. Not the, not the railroad, but it would be an underground pipeline and then railroad. The whole idea is there's overwhelming interest, and I think most Arab nations know it, in coordinating with one another to change the dynamic in their region for longer-term peace. And uh, that is uh, what I'm going to continue to work on. Thank you all very, very much. I appreciate it. All right, jumping into the news portion of the show today. I'm still Ron Noah's here. Yep. That was Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Apparently, the Hamas attack on Israel, which happened back on October 7th. Because I was about to get him. Only because Joe Biden was about to bring peace to the world, especially the Middle East. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. I well, believe it. I believe he, everything about that. And that railroad that runs from California through India <laughs> and all the way through the middle. Well, it's not a railroad. It's a tunnel. It's near Jack. The channel. What an absolute disaster that fucking guy is. You know, and, and, and the poll numbers don't lie about it either. It was great opening up the show with Congressman Collins, as always is. The guy always brings the fire and a little bit of humility to stake for breakfast. So glad to hear him. And, and listen, I'm going to put out the disclaimer before we even start talking about it. We are not geopolitical experts on this show. When we get into geopolitics, we usually bring on Colonel McGregor, Colonel Manis. We've got Joe Kent coming in. We're going to touch in with him a little bit. I mean, that guy is a retired Green Beret and former combat veteran. So we'll be able to glean some experiences from him in regards to the situation, but one that's kind of at the forefront, taking everybody's mind off the economy and the open borders, rampant crime, et cetera, is what's going on in Israel. Joe Biden and his administration was able to twist the arm of the Israelis long enough to have a ceasefire. It seems like that's hanging on thin ice right now as there were some attacks by the Israelis into Gaza today. Uh, There has been prisoner exchanges of such. But when it comes to the Americans that are being held hostage there, we just don't have any idea what's going on. And that comes at the, you know, commentary that's been provided by both the Department of Defense and the State Department. You, you look at some of these morons that are running our geopolitics right now, namely Jake Sullivan, who was, you know, someone that used to vacuum the carpet underneath where Hillary Clinton ate back in the day at the State Department, now is at the forefront of our foreign policy, failed foreign policy on behalf of the Biden regime. It's not getting any better anytime soon. I saw him on the news yesterday. He was talking to, of course, ABC's Meet the Fake Press. Let's hear our best geopolitical expert from the Biden regime. 
Jake, do you have any concern that the U.S. so publicly negotiating a hostage release sends a message that Americans are willing to negotiate with terrorists, even if indirectly, and that that could ultimately put the lives of other Americans at risk on the world stage? Joe Biden will. Look, we've been in the business since the beginning of the Biden administration, and President Biden has taken a leadership role in this, in taking steps to bring home Americans who are unjustly detained or being held hostage overseas. And we've been willing to make hard decisions to do that because, as the president said, he has no higher priority than to bring Americans home. When the United States had one policy or another, people were taking Americans hostage. So from our perspective, this isn't about precedent. It isn't about policy. It's about a simple principle. If there's an American citizen being held overseas, we are going to do everything in our power using diplomacy, using influence, using leverage to be able to get those people home safely to their families. That is the commitment of President Biden. It sure isn't because Admiral Kirby was asked yesterday to not cry in the White House press pool and then to clarify Jake Sullivan's commentary there to which he said at the moment the u.s state department and the department of defense does not know exactly how many americans are being held hostage by hamas or whether or not any of those hostages have been given over to any other terrorist organizations in the area which is a thing Mm. he assumes that it's less than 10 somewhere between the numbers of eight and nine and that most of the hostages if not all are male and that's all the information they've been able to provide wait why are they all male I have no idea. That seems a little unreasonable. It certainly does. Um, and, and, you know. Maybe because they killed all the females already? That's a that's a real possibility. Ugh. However, during this prisoner exchange over the course of the last couple of days, there's a rumor going around about a four-year-old girl with dual citizenship, U.S. and Israeli, that was returned as, as part of one of the groups that were given back to the Israelis. And it's coming to find out now that the great aunt of the youngest American hostage turned back over to the Israelis and the first American dual citizenship again was released by Hamas happens to be the buyer of Hunter. (laughs) I can't even say it. What? Of one of Hunter Biden's pictures who was then appointed by Joe Biden to the U S commission for the presidential preservation of America's heritage abroad. (laughs) Think she likes Skittles? It's a small world. Think she likes Skittles? No. Who doesn't like Skittles? I don't anymore. I don't anymore either, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, I mean, what can you say? This is this is the world we live in. Joe Biden doesn't care about anybody else except himself and his family, enriching them, etc. And, you know, again, when we talk about Israel and the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, much in the same way we do Ukraine and Russia, we don't ask you guys to pick a side. We don't portray a side to pick. Um, we don't cheer for one side or the other. We just want the killing to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, based off of the information that's going on now, which is what we're presenting to you in this new segment here, you can go and make a reasonable deduction or go look for other information elsewhere. But we are giving you the actual receipts of the retards in the Biden administration who are currently working on the situation in Gaza. And those who are adjacent to it trying to bring it to a reasonable solution, which we haven't been able to get out of Joe Biden and his team, period. I saw Senator Tom Cotton was on Fox News Sunday, and he was talking about the amount of pressure that the Biden administration has put on Israel since the start of this conflict. Let's hear him. 
Yes, the Israeli government. They had near unanimous support across many different political parties and in their senior security leadership that this was the appropriate step to take. So I'm not going to second guess the Israeli government, but I have to say it seems like President Biden puts more pressure on Israel than he does on Hamas and its hosts in Qatar. Part of the reasons why we got to this point where we had to have a four-day pause is the Biden administration has consistently, behind the scenes, insisted yep. that Israel's government take steps that are clearly not in Israel's interest. For instance, providing fuel into Gaza. Not just water or food or medicine, but fuel, which may as well be providing them with ammunition. I'm also very frustrated that we have not seen the release of a single American hostage. Perhaps there'll be one today, but apparently Hamas is so contemptuous of President Biden and American power that they feel the imperative to release Filipinos and Thai hostages before they release American hostages. That's just one small example of the weakness that President Biden has projected around the world that has resulted in things like Americans being taken hostage or Iran attacking Americans more than 70 times now since or over the last month or the fall of Kabul uh, in 2021. Filipinos. Filipinos. We're going to put that one slide. <laughs> but it's the truth. They're letting Filipinos go? Would you think, after Israelis, women and children first, you would think, diplomatic pecking order-wise, you might see an American or two carted out there as kind of a, a virtue signal that Hamas doesn't want to get droned out of existence. But... Again, besides someone's great aunt who once purchased a penis pick and now is a a, a painting of a penis pick ambassador for the Biden administration, just their dual citizen U.S. and Israeli great granddaughter has been released or great niece, whatever. And it's just it's crazy. You, you know, we joke, but with so much seriousness, when we say that this is America last for all to see. You, you can't make this shit up. It's everything from they don't give a shit if you could put food on the table to they don't care if your son or daughter or father or uncle or cousin comes home from Gaza. And that's just the fact of the matter. Unless he's Filipino. Or Laos. <laughs> mm. Guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, helps us out big time. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Find the platform that you best identify with and follow the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We're not having Black Friday sales. Screw Cyber Monday. Our 100% free podcast is for sale for $0 as long as you hit the follow button. Helps us out. Major league. We did have a Black Friday sale. What did we sell? Us for free. True story. In addition, across all social medias, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. I don't know if you heard, Noah. The man behind X, formerly Twitter, Elon Musk, mm -hmm. Gulf streamed it over to Tel Aviv and wanted to meet with Bibi Netanyahu. He needed to get his plate carry squared away. What do you mean? You don't like that little thing he had going on? <laughs> Couldn't they find one that fits? That was bad. Mm. And here's the thing. There's he probably been... had snack stuffed in it or something. <laughs> We, we talked about the lawsuit that Elon Musk and the X Corporation has brought against Media Matters for the way that they kind of game the platform to show that where some of their major sponsors like Paramount Studios or Apple was showing their ads directly under tweets which promoted Hitler and things like that. There's been a big knock on Elon Musk over the course of the last couple months, especially ramping up with this conflict going on right now where it seems like an overwhelming majority of the region and the international press is siding with the Palestinians who are in Gaza against Israel. 
to call Elon Musk an anti-Semite and say that he promotes that kind of rhetoric and material on X, which couldn't be further from the case. Obviously, it is on the platform, but to think that Elon Musk is not only supporting it, but supporting it to the fact to where it's being presented alongside, you know, Apple ads is just retarded. In a diplomatic fashion, he did go over to the region. He met with Bibi Netanyahu. He did a little better than Ron DeSantis launch. Mm. X-chat with the Israeli prime minister as well. We're going to hear Elon Musk right now before we get into Bibi's clip. Let's check it out. It was troubling to see massive protests in almost every major city um, in favor of Hamas. Uh, or, well, they generally characterize it as sort of a free Palestine movement. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, one can generally agree that we want the, you know, a good future for Palestinians. Um, and we want to, you know, I mean, the, 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 the challenges, really, how do you, you know, get, get rid of the ones who are hell-bent on murdering Jewish people um, while, you know, minimizing civilian casualties and then ultimately stopping the, um, the, the sort of propaganda that is yeah. convincing people to engage in, um, you know, murder. And, and, and I, for me personally, it's gotta be tough for the guy. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for him when bad stuff happens to him. He puts himself right at the forefront of all the stuff that usually comes his way, whether with his big mouth or his bigger bank account. But when you start trying to knock people, it's funny how some of these prominent characters Elon Musk, I guess you could call one of the most identifiable people in the world, Noah, mm-hmm. much like President Trump. When he starts to run into like the massive cancellation propaganda that Donald Trump has had to incur over the course of the last eight years, it, it kind of brings it back home, doesn't it? Yeah. It's not as hard to identify with America First or their policies or to kind of go out there on, on such a big platform like Twitter and, and be supportive of people like Donald Trump, like Elon Musk has in, in promoting, commenting on, or sharing some of, you know, the bigger commentators in our movement's content because he's going through the same stuff. They would much rather him get canceled, him lose X, it go to some liberal shitbag corporation, and then all of us get kicked off again. And, and, you know, heading into this election cycle, it's either the time to be strong or just take your key, which is one of the, you know, around 360 million that are to this country right now, and give it over to the radical left because... If you don't want in this fight, then, you know, this timeline was not for you. You should just go home. Back to the basement. Mom's got the Hot Pockets in the toaster. Mm. And uh, don't worry, you can go shit post on social media behind your Anon account real quick. Almost as quick as we're going to be jumping in with Joe Kent in just a minute. I do have one more. I did say it was a Twitter X space. Ran better than the one that happened with Ron DeSantis and his, well, it's even funnier now with the boots, kickoff to his campaign. Let's hear the Israeli Prime Minister. If you want peace, destroy Hamas. If you want security, destroy Hamas. If you want a better life for the Palestinians in Gaza who've been hijacked uh, by Hamas, destroy Hamas. Uh, All of that is a precursor to the question that you asked. You first have to get rid of the poisonous regime, uh, as you did in Germany, as you did in Japan uh, in World War II. These were two... There's no choice. There's no choice. So that's a prerequisite. Yes. But but then look at what happened. I mean, what you had in Germany was denazification, 
And what you had in uh, Japan under uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur was a cultural uh, reformation. Mm -hmm. uh, and Japan that you visit today is so different from Japan of the 1930s. Yeah. Germany that you visit today it's full is of so different from Germany of the 1930s. Well, is that possible in the Arab world? And I categorically say, of course it is, because we've seen it already in two places. We've seen it in the Gulf states, and we see that when you visit Dubai or when you visit uh, Abu Dhabi uh, or when you visit Bahrain, you see something entirely different. Sure. There was, in fact, a cultural change there. And this is probably the only point of this whole Israeli offensive that I personally agree with. The government who runs the Palestinians right now over there in Gaza is Hamas. They mm -hmm. were supposedly democratically voted into power. They committed one of the largest terrorist attack and, and human atrocities since World War II on October 7th of this year. How do you tell Israeli citizens whose families were slaughtered? And, and by now, I've seen all the gratuitous videos, but there are ones that they show on Fox News all the time where there's like, you know, uh, Hamas terrorists just walking past the house and you see like a couple sitting on the couch and they just take two pot shots and the people fall. You can't see any blood or, or their blades, but they die. There are also a lot worse ones. Now, again, these two sides have been fighting for hundreds, if not thousands of years, if you want to go back to the biblical sense of it. But the fact of the matter is, how do you tell these people who lost loved ones in that fashion today that we're going to stop going after the people that did this to their family, that we're going to stop going... <laughs> Not only did they do this to your family, but they kidnapped some of the other members of your family and then raped them until they die and then paraded their bodies through the street as well. In addition to killing the other family members that they decided not to take in the pickup trucks and the jeeps that came across the border on that day. Mm. And for me, I would like the terrorist aspect of the region to be removed. Uh, there are people who stump for the other side who says, well, the way I look at it, I find the Israeli state itself as a terrorist organization. That's your opinion to promote. I don't necessarily agree with it. Do I think either side does everything right? Absolutely fucking not. Mm -mm. Do I think at this moment in time right now, it, Hamas needs a little bit of accountability for what happened on October 7th? Absolutely. So again, you've heard what's going on this week in the region. The ceasefire and prisoner exchanges skating on very thin ice as of today, nearing the noon hour on the West Coast out here on Tuesday. But we'll just have to see and see if any of these Americans are going to be coming home and how they've been treated. So we'll, we'll obviously be checking in on this situation a little bit more right now as we're getting ready to jump in with retired Green Beret, former combat veteran and current candidate for Washington 3, Joe Kent. But before we do that, let's check in with one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Battleborn Coffee Roasters. They're law enforcement, family-owned, and they produce some of the best available specialty-grade coffee. That means all those beans have gone through an extensive process to remove all defects. Battleborn researches all their sources, farms, and milling stations to make sure you're not getting any pesticides or chemical fertilizers. Sit back and have a cup of their Borderline Mexico Chiapas blend while you're out sitting on an X or sitting in the office. High-quality coffee from high-quality people. Use promo code STEAK for 20% off your first order. Make sure you go check them out at battleborn.coffee. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He is the 2024 Washington GOP-endorsed candidate for Congress, looking to represent Washington 3. So glad to be sitting down again with Mr. Joe Kent. Welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a while since we caught up. We, we've had you on some time since the 2022 cycle, but, you know, now that you're back in this race, Joe, and it looks like you're, you're running stronger than ever, I think our listenership is really excited to hear 
what went into your decision making. And now that you're back out on the campaign trail, I mean, you're probably one of the most active candidates running for a house seat in the entire country. You can't look on your social media without seeing you at some kind of a speaking event or, or at something that's, you know, going on in town or, or in the district you're running for and you're out there shaking hands, meeting people, listening to the issues. How did you know that this election cycle coming up right now, first of all, the importance level of it, and then what went into your final decision making and getting back in? You know, basically, um, once the recount was over, the last election was really close, only fell short by less than a percentage point. So once the recount was over, I just, you know, looked at my uh, my fiance at the time, now now wife, and she said, hey, you got to run again. I mean, because the, the country is not in a better position. As a matter of fact, things were only getting worse then. And I think have only repeatedly gotten worse uh, every day that goes by with the Biden regime just destroying this country deliberately. So for me, it's like, hey, I've got to do something. Uh, and I also feel like there's folks that are waking up as I go out there and I talk to people, I, I talk to people all the time that I know they told me they sat out 2022 because they didn't really care. It was a primary uh, for a wide variety of reasons. A lot of people just unfortunately don't engage in midterm or even municipal elections, but they come out for the presidential cycle. But I'm talking to folks right now who, who say, Hey, I'm not a, a Republican. You know, there's some things about Trump and MAGA that rub me the wrong way. However, I can tell right now the country's being destroyed. It's just basic common sense. It's a, it's a very gut level feeling it's evident when they go to fill up the uh, the, the tank of their gas uh, or if they go to the grocery store it's evident with the crime on the streets i mean just across the board the fact that we're mo moving towards world war three on multiple fronts people right now know that we need to actually get out there and make a change so i'm pretty optimistic with the uh the reaction that i've gotten not just from our base grassroots but also from people who before had not been politically engaged you know, and that's the thing, the theme of our show for the last couple of weeks, we obviously, Joe, you know, we track President Trump pretty heavily on this show, you know, politics in general, the whole primary that's going on and stuff. And it seems like he segued towards general election. And the biggest things that he's running on right now is obviously the economy, the counter to Bidenomics. You have all of the stuff going on down on the U.S. southern border. And then there was, you know, the the whole premise that we might be backing ourselves into, as you mentioned, World War Three. Now, I mean, you're a retired Green Beret, you're a combat veteran, you're a gold star husband. And the fact of the matter is you've seen some things take place over the last couple of years that probably have just blown your mind. Uh, you know, for all the work that you did when, when you served this country so proudly to see us back out of Afghanistan the way we did and then the way we've kind of let the Ukraine situation spiral out of control to where it's like now it's if we don't pay money, we just look so awful. And then, you know, the kind of backwards way that we're dealing with the Israeli Hamas situation, it's, it's just very startling. You know, we opened up our show kind of covering that today. We're not geopolitical experts, but, you know, someone like you that's been there. When you see the way the Biden administration is hand, handling this stuff and that so many of the people that are involved in this administration uh, that are going to be, you know, making a difference to how people vote in, in a year from now are the same ones during Barack Obama's administration that, you know, came up with the Iran nuke deal, let international terrorism run wild across the world and, and have kind of gotten us into this situation. They're bad negotiations with Russia throughout the you know, entirety of the time that Barack Obama was president has brought us to here with, with Joe Biden. Now, as you see all this stuff kind of unfold, especially the situation in Israel, how are you kind of looking at this stuff and presenting it as like, you know, Republicans are the plausible solution to the failed geopolitics of the Biden administration? 
I like to point out how it's all very intertwined. I mean, when America is weak at home, when we have a weak economy, when we kill off U.S. energy independence and we drive this cycle of inflation, when we spend $2 trillion over annually every single year, driving us to a place where we're now almost $34 trillion in debt, the world becomes a very dangerous place. When we don't secure our own border and we're allowing ourselves to be invaded, the rest of the world sees that we are weak on the world stage. They took advantage of Joe Biden. They see that Biden has brought in a group of, I think, just straight globalists that don't care about America's sovereignty. They don't care about us being an exceptional nation. They view us as just a nation amongst other nations. And they really have this mindset where they want to surrender all of our leverage. Something that President Trump never gets enough credit for. People say that Trump was able to prevent conflict, you know, because he was just such a strong character. And that's true to a certain certain extent. But Trump understood leverage at a very basic level. He made us not just energy independent. He made us a net exporter of energy. People felt that in their daily lives. It made the economy better. But also when Trump went to go deal with the Middle East, when he went to go deal with guys like Putin, he was approaching them from a position of strength because he didn't need to go hat in hand like we have to now. Like Biden has to go kowtow before OPEC to say, hey, maybe we can get a deal on some oil. And that gives them all the advantage. Trump went over there with us actually calling shots on the U on the world energy market. Same thing with Vladimir Putin. You didn't see Putin making uh, advances into Europe, into, into Ukraine under Trump's leadership, because not only did he not really know exactly how Trump was going to react. Trump had that strategic ambiguity, but also Putin couldn't afford it. Trump was flooding the market with cheap U.S. energy that was good for us, that was good for the Europeans. Trump didn't need to have some crazy harebrained scheme to go blow up NORAD too. He didn't have to do any of that. He could shut it down through diplomacy. President Trump, the way that he managed our economy and the way that he handled diplomacy, we always approach the rest of the world from a position of strength. And so right now we're seeing the exact opposite of that play out. And we also see people within the Biden administration that seem to want to be on every side of every single conflict because they benefit just from war itself. Look at the situation in the Middle East. The Democrats refuse to actually fund and support the Israelis while Hamas holds American hostages because Speaker Johnson did the fiscally responsible thing and said, hey, we're not going to print a bunch of money to give to Israel. What we're going to do is we're going to claw back some funds from the IRS because it's been weaponized and they don't need this $14 billion. We're going to take that $14 billion that's already paid for. We're going to give that to Israel. That's when all the Democrats were out. Hey, if you want to, if you want to actually support the Israelis but uh, take away from the IRS, then that's when all the Democrats jumped out. But at the same time, Biden's still sending billions of dollars to the Iranians. He's still funding the government of Iraq while it funds the proxies that are shooting at our troops that most Democrats have voted to leave in those areas. So we basically hand all of our leverage over to our adversaries. And then I guess our strategy is just to sell weapons to basically every single side. Not only is it immoral and completely and totally morally bankrupt, it's putting us on this path towards World War III. And so I think the compelling argument is, hey, look, let's make America strong. Let's use our diplomacy and the strength of our economic power in order to make the world a much safer place. And we, we this isn't theory. We had this just four years ago. Yeah, it's, it's wild how fast things have gone downhill i mean you see some of these uh journos up on capitol hill trying to push back on the narrative that it's uh you shouldn't be complaining that mcdonald's meals cost 20 dollars now but then everyone that counters those narratives shows like the value menu from just like 2018 where things really did cost a dollar and now they cost like five but and, and you know 
I do want to segue to the economy, Joe, because I think it's probably the biggest issue at the forefront. We're heading into the holiday season. There are a lot of people that are spending outside of their means right now. I mean, credit card debt for the first time in history is over a trillion dollars. You have uh, roughly 66% of all Americans using 70% of their total earnings on just food, fuel, and shelter. It's kind of hard to provide during the holiday season. It's kind of hard to put food on the table every night. And, And, you know, people are looking for answers right now. Sometimes people have very short memories, especially when it comes to politics, but you can't argue the fact that the world was a better place, especially economically here domestically in the United States during the last administration. When that's the plausible alternative and you're going to be running under the ticket under President Trump in you know, a year from now, what's the selling points right here on, on, on you know, failed Bidenomics, the Inflation Non-Reduction Act, et cetera, and, and what the counter to that is, which is American prosperity again under a Republican-led economy? 100%. I mean, look, I think a lot of this goes back to the, the the fuel pump. A conscientious decision that Biden made on day one was to kill off U.S. energy independence. And we've been feeling the ramifications of that. And so people understand that you don't need to understand, you know, microeconomics, macroeconomics to just understand how much it costs to fill up your tank. And then to understand how that translates when you go to the grocery store, when you go to basically to make any other purchase. So I think the first selling point we have is, hey, look, we've got to get back to being U.S. energy independent, to being a U.S. Uh, net export order of energy. Most people understand that. That's not very complicated. But then also what most people understand, because they're having to put so much on the credit card right now, they understand that's not sustainable. When you say, hey, look at what the U.S. government's doing. They're continuing to print money. They're continuing to borrow against our children, our grandchildren. We're almost $34 billion in debt. The Democrats, $34 trillion in debt. The Democrats are completely unserious about this because they continue to submit budgets that spend $2 trillion over what we take in in annual, annual revenue, annual income. And most people are trying to do this hard math right now at their kitchen table. How much do I make? What are my bills? What do I have left? How much can I afford to put on the credit card? When you say, hey, look, the people in D.C., they have no respect for that process whatsoever. They are basically taking your credit, your fit, your good faith and your credit, and they are just running this up. And what are you getting for it? You're getting to what? Fund a bunch of wars throughout the entire world that potentially your sons and daughters may have to go fight? Like, we're not getting anything in return. And then also government overregulation. I mean, the Democrats, they... They really said the quiet part out loud when they refused to support Israel. Not only does that show how their caucus has really been captured by radicals, but also the fact that Speaker Johnson took that money away from the IRS and boom, that's when all the Democrats got out. They're like, no, no, no. We need that $14 billion to fund the IRS so they can go track down hardworking Americans' Venmo transactions for over $600. Like, that's absolutely absurd. When you explain this to the American people and how the Democrats continue to want to push this Green New Deal agenda because the Inflation Reduction Act was essentially just a cloak and a mask for the Green New Deal. And then same thing with all the different other uh, bureaucratic warfare they've been waging against the American people. And the fact that the House Republicans, through the RAINS Act, through H.R. 1, Energy Independence, they've been attempting to claw all this back, but Senate Democrats kill it off every time. Democrats in unison in the House vote against it. I think we have a very compelling case to make. And we, we also have to be honest, too, with the American people. Like, look, We're in a very bad way because of decades of horrible fiscal policy. And so we are going to need to do these individual appropriations bills. It's crazy because they, you know, they called Matt Gates and Eli Crane and, and all these Freedom Caucus guys. They called them like bomb throwing radicals. But when you look at what they were demanding, they were demanding just basic common sense fiscal responsibility. Like, let's take a look at all this discretionary spending. Let's lay it out. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's make sure we're living within our means. I think when we talk about these core issues, we are going to bring over just common sense Americans back over to our side, because I I don't think fiscal responsibility has a big like MAGA hat on top of it. it doesn't have a big R by it. It's just common sense. 
No, that's it right there. And then when you look at, you know, what the prospectus is of moving into economy, that's a little bit more catered to the American people and not for where we're at right now, where you essentially have to be a wealthy elitist to be able to, you know, live your life. It's night and day, and it's wild how fast it's changed the way the mainstream media has covered for Joe Biden. But I think more often than not, people are starting to wake up. And, and Joe, you're at the forefront of doing that. Listen, we're going to live link your campaign website in the show description today. We'd love having you on. Of course, we're going to be having you back throughout the course of the entirety of the election cycle next year. But it's great for you getting back and, and reintroducing yourself as a candidate to our listenership. And we remind our listenership all the time, whenever we identify these candidates who we know is America first and supports the values that are going to better, you know, help their families out moving forward, you don't have to live in Washington 3 to help out. Joe, if you could allude to that a little bit and give us your campaign website and then where we could find you on social media. Yeah, Joe Kent for Congress is my campaign website. And the small dollar donations, that's really what funds my campaign. Obviously, I, I don't get any money from the major PACs or any kind of corporate PACs or anything like that. So small individual donations, there's no donation that's too small. I get people all the time that say, hey, I can only give you $10. And I say, that's fine. I, I am extremely grateful for that. Uh, last campaign cycle, I was uh, in a really hard fight. We raised about $3.5 million. My average donation was $51. When we further extrapolated that, that $51, it wasn't even $51 at once. This was people making five, $10 donations over and over again. So yeah, we can't, it, sometimes it seems like it's hard to compete against that big money, but we, the people can outraise through small dollar donations. We can beat that corporate money that the Democrats get. So JoeKentForCongress.com is the place to do that. All my social media, it's just at JoeKent16JAN19. There's also links on, on JoeKentForCongress.com. So that's kind of the touch point for social medias and support. Well, we'll be looking to have you back real soon, Joe, and we wish you the best of luck out there on the campaign trail. Keep fighting, and we'll be looking for an update. This is the candidate who's running to represent Washington 3. Mr. Joe Ken, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Sorry, we've got all kinds of superstars in the building t- tonight here in Clemson, here in Columbia, South Carolina, with Clemson here. Look at that. Henry McMaster, the governor of South Carolina, with his guest tonight, the former president of the United States, Donald Trump take on some of the headlines there, Liz, because clearly uh, a lot of people, like I said, it's busy. It's Thanksgiving holidays. Like, oh, Trump was booed. But realistically, I mean, as Trump would say, fake news, your take. Well, Bianca, absolutely. It's fake news. I mean, you can see the videos for yourself and no other candidate in either party. And certainly Joe Biden could not walk on the field at halftime in front of 80,000 people and get the kind of applause President Trump did. In fact, we had stadiums all across the country last year spontaneously breaking out in chants of let's go, Brandon. Uh, So obviously, President Trump is the most popular leader in America right now. All the polls show it. But Really, the important thing is you have to stop listening to the fake news. Go to the source, and you can see President Trump is so beloved. It's not what the fake news has you believe. There's no circumstance whatsoever under which he does not run. He said this. If he has to run from a prison cell, he will. If they martyr him, they might even make him stronger. These prosecutions of him have turbocharged his campaign. He's surprisingly confident. I mean, this guy has got ice water in his veins. Look, I worked for Nixon. I worked for Dole. They're very, very tough guys. Trump is the toughest guy I've ever met. I mean, he really just lets it roll down his back. He's resolute. He's determined. He is a little angry, and he's absolutely convinced that he will win. He's absolutely convinced that whatever they throw at him, he can handle. All right, jumping back into the news portion of our show right now, we're going to be looking now 
the attacks on MAGA have definitely intensified over the course of the last couple months. And I would believe it's a pretty fair assessment to say the mainstream media, the radical left especially, but even, you know, components like Fox News and stuff, they allow candidates who are running the fake Republican primary to come on and just ramp up the rhetoric as you're, you know, sitting there eating turkey leftovers, finishing up that pumpkin and apple pie with your family, or on the road listening to podcasts where I hope you're listening to Steak for Breakfast and enjoying it extremely thoroughly. But, Noah, Donald Trump went down to South Carolina for the Palmetto Bowl on Saturday night. It was South Carolina and Clemson. He was a honored guest of the current governor, massive Trump supporter, Governor McMaster down there. Not only was he well-received when he came in and walked out of the tunnel, but here's the deal. Donald Trump and Governor McMaster walked out to the 50-yard line at, at one point during this game. I believe it was during halftime or right before halftime. And, and the amount of love that this man was shown, the best part about it was you have, like, Donald Trump and Governor McMaster out on the field, right? And, and the person that's taking the video, it's, like, blurry and small looking at him because they were focusing on the crowd and every single person standing there with their phone. People were holding up Trump 2024 banners. This is in South Carolina where you have two candidates running in the primary. Tim Scott's obviously out, but Nikki Haley is now getting backed by the mainstream, and she just got a huge donor uh, picking her up today, the, the Coke Network, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But you have Donald Trump going into what you would assume is enemy territory when it comes to the primary and just getting an ovation that you would think is only reserved for people who are from that state. What can you say about that? He's unstoppable. It doesn't matter where he goes now because even the people who hated him still know he's a better choice. And when you look at just the absolute joy on the people, all these young, it was so funny, people from the DeSantis campaign like manipulated the audio of when he came out of the tunnel and there was like a boo and they were able to like find, oh, like hone in on it and make it louder. One mouth breather from the Clemson band who was getting ready to take the field for halftime. Look at this. Absolute. He's the meme of the guy with no chin. <laughs> and I, I just captioned that picture and said, why do they all look like this? He that That's a jaw that's meant to just chew Hot Pockets forever. <laughs> True story. And maybe take a punch. People had Photoshop middle fingers. There was like one person when Donald Trump pulled up at the back who was like booing, but it was literally one person. And then when he walks out of the Beast or, or the Beast 2.0, whatever he's riding around in now, and walks into the tunnel, there's, like, all these hundreds of people just waiting for him, and he's passing out, like, boxes of Cracker Jacks and popcorn. You you really can't fail to point out the fact that, as far as Donald Trump's rock star capabilities, and if anyone thinks he's lost a step, or because he's, you know, going to be 78 in six months, that he's not as viable a candidate as he did when he first came down the escalator... Yeah, no. Just look at events like that. It's it's cool to go in between the frat houses at places like Iowa, like he did earlier in the year and things of that nature. The man walked out to the middle of the football field with the governor of South Carolina and was more than warmly received on Saturday night. So it was awesome to see that. Unlike a lot of the stuff that I touched on in the top, which is how the press took the Thanksgiving holiday to just run with the anti-MAGA rhetoric, it wasn't exclusive to within our borders as well. I don't know if you heard this one, Noah. Mm -mm. Son of Fidel Castro. Oh, good. Current Prime Minister of Canada. Mm, maple syrup. Justin Trudeau. Too dumbass. Was actually shitting on MAGA Republicans and how their stance from within the United States is turning the world away from the greatest conflict in the history of conflicts. Really? The Ukrainian War. Whoa. Whoa. 
We he, hold that thought. He's still pushing for. Let's hear. Ah. It. Let's hear it. Canada has been one of those countries oh. that has been the most steadfast with Ukraine. Oh, oh, oh. Many conversations with Ursula about the sanctions we've brought in together, the military support, the financial support. You hosted a Nazi in your parliament over the oh. years. Every step of the way, I've stood up and said, Canada will be there with everything it takes for as long as it takes to support Ukraine. And I've actually boasted to her and to others that it's not a political debate in Canada. All parties in Canada stand with Ukraine. Sounds like a dictatorship. Mm, Yeah. So it is particularly troubling to see, even though we are seeing a rise of right-wing rhetoric oh. in the United States oh. with MAGA conservatives oh. there it is. Uh, across Europe in certain corners oh. of right-wing politicians and parties MAGA? MAGA? starting to pull their support for Ukraine, starting to parrot Russian disinformation and misinformation <laughs> and propaganda, that suddenly the Conservative Party of Canada would choose to not stand with Ukraine in something that they need. Vagina. That the Ukraine is asked for. How do you like that? Jeez. That's brutal. Bet you didn't have Justin Trudeau, MAGA Republicans in Europe on your 2023 bingo card. Did not. I definitely did not. Which, in this case, if you have very many spaces left, you're just not playing the game, right? Yeah, you just are kind of just phoning it in at this point. <laughs> we'll get to that later. There's actually one. This might have to be the free space of the week, and it's only Tuesday. But... It's not just with these world leaders and how, I mean, Justin Trudeau said that they're there. There is no debate. Our entire government stands. But then you hear like two sentences later, and it's these MAGA Republicans in the United States, which is leading to conservatives in our party to not want to fund the war in Ukraine anymore. Hmm. Sounds interesting. How about it's because the war in Ukraine is bullshit. Is bullshit. Complete bullshit. It no longer matters. Mm -hmm. It was never a valid even potential for victory, no matter how much smoke they wanted to blow up Zelensky's green sweatered ass. Speaking of victories and people that won't be enjoying them next November, departing Utah Senator, Republican, question mark, Mittens, (laughs) Pierre Delecto Romney, and his wife sat down on, I don't even know what channel this is on, person to person, they looked like they were in, like, a bad studio for The Office. Look at this one. See the lady right there with the curtains behind her? Oh, that is that, that is Michael Scott's office. To do a little video podcast talking about, you know, Mittens departing the Senate, what it's going to look like in the future. And, oh, my God, wait till you hear these two maniacs talk about how much they hate Donald Trump. I'm going to start off first with Ann, and then we'll segue over to Mittens. Let's hear her. We're fed up with Republican politics. Well, that, too. I feel like there's no home for us right now, but I, my Democratic God. friends, I feel like they are saying the same thing, is that we are um, a people without a party right now. A lot of Americans are. And, I, you know, the great center, and we are a center-right nation, is just gone. And I think it will come back, that we'll find our bearings again. But right now, I'm, I'm a person without a party. You got a call from Oprah. What did she say? Well, she was trying to figure out how Mick could do an independent run. 
I remember trying to explain to her that that doesn't work politically. And I think I was the one that suggested, well, Oprah, why don't you run with him and see how that works? I don't think it was really her thought at all, because I don't think she really wants to be involved in any kind of politics in an an active way. And what if Oprah calls? So Oprah will go and throw her money behind these people and push a narrative that lines up ideologically with Michelle and Barack Obama, Big Mike. Mm. But at the same time, she won't get any of her skin involved in the game because she knows this will be the end of Oprah, period, especially if she ran on a ticket with, let's just say, not Pierre, but let's just say she went with a more moderate, Joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. He's getting pushed by no labels to run, maybe with, like, Larry Pigface Hogan or somebody like that. And I don't think these people realize how awful they look to the American people. I mean, when when you talk about Mitt Romney, you talk about McCain ally, you talk about neo, neocon warhawk, you talk about all these things that are just um, comprehensive immigration reform that starts with amnesty and ends with more H-1B visas coming in, all the stuff that absolutely disgusts America first. Yeah. Then, if you didn't think that that was bad enough to talk about Mitt running as a third-party candidate, wait until you hear who he's voting for in the next election. Check it out. Do you like in the Republican field? Uh, anybody. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I'd be happy to support virtually any one of the Republicans, maybe oh, okay. not Vivek, oh. but, uh, mm-hmm. but the maybe others not. that are running would, would be acceptable to me and I'd Why be happy like to Vivek? vote for them. I'd be happy to vote for a number of the Democrats too. I mean, it would be an upgrade from, uh, in my opinion, from, uh, uh, Donald Trump and, Oof. and perhaps also from, uh, Joe Biden. Uh, look, I like uh, President Biden. Um, of course you do. You know, I, I find him a very charming, what? engaging person. There's some dance. places I agree with him, but most places I disagree with him. Uh, I think he's made all sorts of terrible mistakes. Yeah. But uh, I, I would like to see someone else run. So no Vivek, obviously because he's brown. <laughs> wow, that's it's, racist. That's just Mitt Romney being Mitt Romney. And he's not Filipino. Filipino. <laughs> and he's not Donald Trump. Those are the only two candidates that he won't vote for and he likes. Okay. Anyone that's listening right now, if you can pick up one win for Joe Biden, any way, shape, or form that hasn't absolutely destroyed this country, please DM me on any social media platform and tell me what it is. Because he says he agrees with Joe Biden on some stuff, not most of the stuff, though. There's nothing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that you could even I mean, he tried misconstrue to, as a positive. He tried to pardon the turkeys last week, and I think he had a little bit of a portal order going on and had to take off. The Marines opening up the door, couldn't even salute him. He was gone so fast. Yeah, it's a little weird. Just the best timeline ever. We'll get to that again in a bit. Yeah, a turkey head poking out. Gobble, gobble. Guys, wherever you're listening to the show today, now I know you're enjoying it. <laughs> Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Find steak for breakfast. Follow the podcast. Helps us out. Massages the algorithms. Massages? Presents us in the suggestions and helps us out in the Apple Top 100, which is where your voice is amplified the most. Also, social media-wise, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find Steak for Breakfast, follow the accounts, hit the notification bell. Well, guess what, Noah? What? Steak for Breakfast was right again. Okay. We're going to get to that in, in just a sec. But before we do, let's talk about what we have currently and what the possibility that's coming down the pike is. I'm going to remind everybody, also, we're jumping in with Trump attorney, Jesse Benal, in just a few minutes. So, Joe Biden... In talking about the economy, and we're going to get to more of the steak and potatoes of his speech a little bit later in the show. But of course, during it, had to stump on all the dog whistle words for the press to hear. Let's hear him. 
uh, we've been able to push back on Republican, MAGA Republicans so far. They haven't given up. They haven't given up. They're not going to. They still want to undo this progress what we're progress? making. The, They're proposing cuts in investments progress, in yes, roads, and bridges, the internet, and, uh, high-speed internet. The internet. The very things that provided from uh, anyway, anyway, across yeah. the board. Allow me to, I digress. Republicans want to make cuts to roads and bridges and digital internet. digital internet for everybody, whatever the fuck that what means. What the hell is that guy talking about? That's what we currently have got as far as leadership goes. Now, there's a lot of people who have been promoting. We are also in the demographic of seeing that people like Gavin Newsom could be a potential replacement for Joe Biden. We don't really as much Michelle Obama. I think no. like Oprah, she doesn't want to get into politics. She no. just wants to game the system from behind the scenes. But there is one. Newsom is actually making moves that would make me think that he's actually trying to warm himself up for it. Like they're they're doing the thing where they they're basically putting the California Highway Patrol on task to stop some of that rampant retail crime. Which I don't know if that just means like these people are going to be asking for pronouns first. No, like they're they're. They're getting the license plate as they leave the store, and then they get them when they're on the highway. I mean, those guys love to do pit maneuvers, so that would be kind of fun. But I saw a tractor get pit maneuvered somewhere. Yeah, that was was wild. I think it was like the Netherlands or something. But it seems like Newsom, like he's been just dumping California into the fucking wood chipper for years. Ever since he was the mayor, and then now, and then now he wants to like fix some shit. It's too little, too late. It's it's obviously just this bullshit rhetoric just to to warm himself up for a presidential bid, which makes me even more Terrified. sure that Biden's going to have to bow out some way. And the only way that they can do it without him losing face is to have an, a medical emergency. Sure. And I'm sorry for this ahead of time, but you do know Meatball versus American Psycho is. I know be, that's Thursday night. So I did, and a that's shit. and that's what is that? The fucking I don't know. I did a shit post about it. And it was, like, captioned with who cares. And then there were some nice comments under it. He's going to get smoked by Newsom, though. But someone actually wrote that they had a lot of anxiety about watching this. And I said, don't worry. We'll make fun of it so you don't have to. And then the comments after that were like, (laughs) bless you guys. You're doing the Lord's work and all this other stuff. But even before Newsom, there was a woman who wanted it and didn't get it. She wanted it? She's back. She's badder than ever. She's a dandelion. Check it out. Hi, I'm Hillary Clinton, and I'm a dandelion. And that means that I am all in on making sure that we tell the story of climate change and what it's going to do to our lives if we don't act now. Shut the fuck up. There was a couple major news outlets today that have been saying behind the scenes... Some very reliable sources are saying if Joe Biden can't, she wants it. Doesn't mean she's going to get it. No, there's nobody that's going to even bother with her. And again, she's fucking old news. She's a dandelion that's gotten the all the little whiskers blown off. The memes under that one where the person's <laughs> like, oh, look at dandelion. And then you just eat it and then choke on it was phenomenal. Oh, the ones where they like suck it in. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But that's the thing. You know, this this entire weekend... Heading into the new week post Thanksgiving and into the holiday season now, has just been an absolute shit show in regards to the counter narratives to how strong Donald Trump is and everything going on. And, and and like we said, we talk about all these people waking up. Mitt Romney obviously saw the writing on the wall; he's gone. Oprah sees the writing on the wall. Big Mike, 
probably sees the writing on the wall. Big Mike! Joe Rogan's seen the writing on the wall. He's been coming around for the last couple months now. He's getting there. He still says some stupid shit every once in a while, but I really like him. And in a day where the Coke Network has abandoned Ron DeSantis and it fixed itself to Nikki Haley as a, the last primary challenger to Donald Trump outside of, like, sloppy Chris Christie and Doug Burgum, who, for some reason... Is that guy still showing up? Is he just trying to get his steps in? Him and Ada. I feel bad for Vivek now. I'm, I, I'm actually starting to feel bad for him because it's like all this other shit's going on and he's just kind of... He's actually doing a lot of groundwork. I like some of the Trump-adjacent things he says, but again, this was never going to be his. We called him a gad gift all the way in the beginning of the primary... Something new and flashy and everybody's going to kind of say, oh, yeah, that's cool. But in reality, it was just a joke. I hope I hope they at least give him something in the administration, though, like a, some sort of job. Yeah, well, well, we'll see what happens. I think Christina Bob said it best when she he should be appointed the Department of Education. And as soon as he's sworn in by the Senate, you tell him that you're abolishing the agency. <laughs> oh, oh, oh so, be... listen, I, we say no quarter. And I say it all the time when people are doing like nice things for people outside of like Trump world, it means fucking no quarter. <laughs> I can't I can't wait for Trump to go in and do the afuera. There you go. I like Malay. Yeah. He he was actually here. They did not meet with Joe Biden. They met with people. Could we get State that guy Department. on the show? He does no, no English. So it'd be rough. Tucker does has done him twice and it's translator only. But I got Google Translate. There you go. <laughs> Let's hear Joe Rogan talking about like you know exactly what's going on in the fake primary, how he sees it, and and that the fact that everybody knows what's going on outside of this narrative. And is going to run against Trump in the Republican side and win because you're not going to get the Trump supporters. They are all in on Trump unless That's, he has a stroke, unless something happens. It's horrible. Stop it. He, they're all in on Trump. You're you if you run against Trump, you're yeah. now the enemy of Trump. If I was friends with DeSantis, I'd be like, don't. Do it. You can't beat that guy. Nope. You just can't. Joe Rogan. When that guy gets out there and he's UFC waving events. to people and they're going crazy, you're not beating that. Nope. There's a fucking and the fact that he was the president for four years and the country was in a, a, a great economic situation. Yeah. And it looked like his policies were actually effective, and that it looked like the unemployment was down, all business mm -hmm. was building, regulations were being relaxed, more things were getting done. You know, when you look at it from a policy perspective, if you just look at it on paper, what he did was effective. A lot of people think it was effective. You don't like him as a personality, so you ignore that. Don't do that. Look at it in terms of a policy perspective. People liked the ideas that he was putting forward. And now you're saying like, oh, the wall is raised. Now the, the fucking, everybody thinks there needs to be a wall. Even the mayor of mm -hmm. New York City mm -hmm. is now calling to stop immigration That's into right. a city. And he, this was the guy that called it for it to be a sanctuary state. When the reality of what your policies, what what kind of actions you put forth, what, what the results of that are, and those results are highly negative, you're forced to sort of recollect. Recollect your thoughts mm -hmm. and come up with a, a, a new perspective. And that's what the mayor of New York City is doing right now. And that's a perfect point right there to end on because, listen, there's more of us than there are of them. Our voices aren't as loud, but the more that we amplify it, the more we'll pick up victories. But in addition, there's so many more people waking up to the writing on the wall and that Donald Trump at this point is an unstoppable force in the primary. And when you look at all these head-to-head matchups, we'll touch on poll numbers a little bit later in the show. It, it looks like it's more than favorable. So, you know, here's the deal. When you're down, when you're not being able to do all the things you can during the holidays that you normally have done, when it's tough and you got to work extra to provide for your family and, and, you know, do all the things you used to do to, to have a little bit of a semblance of normalcy in your life, don't worry. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That first primary is coming in about 50 days, and after that, it's a downhill shoot all the way up until the November election of next year. So we're getting ready to jump in with Trump attorney Jesse Benall right now. But before we do, 
Let's hear from one of our partners. It's an unpleasant truth that 42% of Americans are obese and 79% of Americans are overweight. That's practically one in every two Americans living day to day with every minute counting down to the end of an unhealthy existence. It's time to change that and make Americans healthy again. You've probably heard about weight loss injections that can help you get back into that right mindset and help curb those cravings so you can focus on what's really important. New Hope Wellness has changed thousands of lives and maybe it can change yours too. They are American family owned and operated with the goal of saving lives. With convenient telehealth options, you can speak to a licensed professional from the comfort of your own home, and all products are delivered discreetly to your front door. Visit newhopewellness.com forward slash state and start your journey to a better you. That's newhopewellness.com forward slash state to get your free consultation and 100 bucks off your first order. 1-800-527-2150. Make America healthy again. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of Steak for Breakfast. He's a constitutional attorney who heads the Banal Law Group. Kind of spoiled it. Always happy to sit down, Mr. Jesse Benal. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. Well, there's a bunch of stuff that you're working on that we want to hear all about, but I think one of the hot items that a lot of people in MAGA world are talking about today is the recently filed motion to compel discovery of classified documents that would prove there was foreign interference in the 2020 election on behalf of the Trump legal team. Can you give our listenership at least a little clarification on what's going on with that, Jesse? Well, um, yeah, I, and I don't represent the, the president in that case, Correct. but we are in the the um, the point in, in uh, uh, discovery right now and in, in litigation in that case where um, it's important to get all the information out there that the government has in its in its possession. The government is obligated uh, to hand over to any defendant anything that is helpful to the defendant's case and also anything that shows um, that a, a witness uh, in the case is not credible. So um, th- I think it's very, very important to, to put out there that I, I, I think that there's uh, substantial evidence that there was such uh, interference in the 2020 election. Um, the government has that and should have that information um, in its possession, and that information should be turned over uh, to President Trump's legal team. How important is it that we finally are, I know you mentioned it to start that point right there, Jesse, that we are getting to discovery. I mean, because here's the deal. There are a lot of things that the mainstream press, those on the radical left, even the current, I air quoting now, President of the United States has accused Donald Trump of making wild accusations. It seems like, for those keeping score at home, I know you're one of them, Jesse, just about every single thing that Donald Trump has said has come his way since he came down the golden escalator all the way back in 2015 has mm-hmm. pretty much come to be truth, no no matter how wild that seems. I mean, everything from like the Hunter Biden laptop most recently to all the social media uh, disinformation and repression that conservatives have gotten over the course of the last seven plus years now, up to the personal attacks that have come to, you know, Donald Trump and his family members. It seems like if you're just looking at the national way of progression and and chronologically things that are going to happen, election interference in 2020 is something that he eventually is probably going to be proven right on. Oh, I think I think absolutely um, he is. And um, it's a question about how uh, what lengths the other side is going to go to continue to try to, to suppress that that evidence. And, um, uh, you know, one thing is is very clear during the 2020 election uh, or uh, the contest period after the, the election and uh, before the, the inauguration. There is absolutely no doubt um, that courts did everything they possibly could 
to avoid addressing these challenges on the merits. They always wanted to find some procedural way to just uh, absolutely uh, avoid the issues. And now as we get closer to the, uh, the point that they no longer can avoid these issues, uh, because of, of, for instance, the 14th Amendment cases that, that are out there because of, of the criminal cases brought by these out of control prosecutors. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of sunlight coming into uh, um, to our system and, and we're going to to see the truth. Well, here's the thing, too. You know, obviously, we covered this just about as good as anybody else did the fallout from the 2020 presidential presidential election stuff that happened following that as well. And here's the deal. You know, we, we talked about a lot of these races, and it just wasn't, uh, you know, only for President Trump. There was obviously stuff that went on with Carrie Lake and Abe Hamaday out in Arizona. There were some other contested yeah. races across the country. And here's the thing. My personal gut feeling tells me, as a judge, it's really hard to, re- to get into the nitty-gritty of these cases and for the fact that elections could in some cases and have been proven in many others to be corrupt in some aspects, you know, and and when you overturn, like, let's just say a statewide ruling in regards to a governorship or maybe even a federal one, like a Senator, but you're talking about president of the United States. We see what has happened to the Supreme court justices since the overturning of Dobbs about a year and a half ago. Just imagine the amount of people that, and, and the pressure that these judges are under to make the right decision publicly and what could happen to their family. Do you think that goes into the equation on why we haven't seen really uh, some winning dispositions for people who we know have been wronged in elections? Yeah. Um, the way that I've put it is that I think judges are by their very nature, um, conservative individuals, not politically conservative, but they don't like to upset the apple cart. Uh, these are our people that um, are are usually uh, fairly intelligent, um, but they've they've picked a a, a public service uh, career for you know oftentimes the the end of of their legal career, um, whereas they you know could have stayed in private practice, made a lot more money, right? Um, and so what you get is nobody, no judge wants to be the first one to go out there and say, hey, the emperor has no clothes. Um, they, uh, everyone is just wants to always go and say that American elections are the gold standard worldwide. And once upon a time, that was true. And we need to make it so that it's true again, but it's not there right now. And so the really sad thing is, is rather than acknowledge that we have a problem and that there are things that we need to do to make it so that our election system is more reliable than it is right now. People just want to completely ignore the problem and they want to criminalize the speech of anyone who's calling for more transparency. And that is a huge problem. Jesse, does it surprise you that so many people are waking up to this? I think there was only one person that was going to be able to keep this at the forefront of everyone's mind, and that's President Trump. You know, there were so many people back in 2022 that said stumping on the 2020 presidential election was a dead item that no one's going to care about in 2024. However, you you even had as recently as last week, I'm, I'm sure you at least heard about it, Oliver Stone went on the Bill Maher show, and when they got into an argument over the you know safety and securedness of our elections, Oliver Stone, who probably isn't the hugest fan of President Trump, systematically went over how there are flaws in our election system, and Bill Maher read every mainstream media and Democrat talking point on how the all that stuff is just fake and made up. And to see like some of the more prominent figures in America, I mean, you had a member, one of the founding members of Black Lives Matter endorsed yeah. President Trump today. These people were waking up and starting to be like, hey, you want to know what? Once, twice, maybe it is a President Trump problem, but this has been going on for nearly eight years now. It seems like the system is pretty much set up to be gamed against him. 
Oh, it, it absolutely is. It's um, And so I, I think you're right that that is uh, what we're seeing at, at the moment is people waking up, um, people uh, understanding that it's okay to, in, you know, in America where we have the First Amendment to call out the problems in our system. That is one of the beautiful things about our system is transparency helps it. It doesn't hurt it. Criticism can also help it in that way. And so if we are are going to continue um, to to be that you know beacon of freedom, then we need to admit that there's a problem with our elections and we need to to find ways to start finding it. And so yeah, you you know, whether it's uh, Oliver Stone or or others right now that are, you know, of course you got the the recent uh, ruling out of Georgia yes. um, that shows some of the problems with uh, with election machines. You, you see a lot of problems that, that are out there. Um, and everybody wants to know, I think at the moment, how exactly can Argentina hold a uh, election over a, a country that is you know, physically um, almost at the size of, of ours with, you know, tens of millions of people and they get a, a, an immediate result by going to, to paper ballots and there's there's no real question on the outcome. Why is it that we've been sold uh, that we have to wait uh, days and weeks in order to get election results here? When other countries are are currently doing it better, why can't we uh, go back to the um, to the that uh, uh, stability in elections that we've had for so long? It's wild to see the way some of these people try to push like an, an ulterior reality to the fact. I mean, you, you outlined it perfectly there, Jesse. You got a third world country essentially that can pull off forty five million people voting in an election and have results within four hours of the polls closing nationwide, declare a winner. And you have here where it takes obviously days in, in all of the swing states and sometimes weeks when it's really close and, and some funny business is going on and others. So. I do want to talk about some of President Trump's yeah. wins, especially in the courtroom recently, and that's been coming at, at all of the air quoting now Republicans who are challenging his presence on the ballot, both in the primary and looking forward after they've lost in court, most likely to the general election. How important is it for this to be defeated in the courtroom, especially with what President Trump has gone through throughout the course of his impeachment when she was acquitted in uh, for you know insurrection and stuff like that? And, and moving forward, how important is it for people to be aware that is Republicans in these states that are pushing these, you know, sham lawsuits against President Trump to try to unconstitutionally keep him off the ballot. Well, it is absolutely unconstitutional to, to keep him off the ballot. What they're doing is ignoring the, the text of the 14th Amendment by by claiming that it, it applies in this situation, ignoring the facts. You know, the most important fact that they're that they're ignoring here is the fact that they're uh, President Trump never um, in uh, encourage anything close to an insurrection. It was a rally, something politics uh, politicians do and have done since the beginning of our republic. Um, and saying uh, Americans should peacefully and patriotically make their voices heard is one of the more you know responsible things that a politician has said from a from a lectern. So you know you you've got the the facts in the law that don't support them, and certainly the the Constitution um, doesn't uh, allow for this, but it's just simply because I think, um, American people are, are waking up right now to the fact that, uh, whether it's the establishment Republicans or whether it's, it's the left, they know they cannot stop Donald Trump at the ballot box. They know how hungry Americans are right now to have him back at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So their only hope is to try, uh, whether it's the 14th Amendment, whether it's these criminal cases or civil cases, to try to keep him out of the White House using an extreme judiciary. Um, and so it's extremely important that uh, I, I think all of us stay very vigilant on this stuff uh, and, and you know, let uh, the, our, our leaders know that we're not going to stand 
um, for them taking away our Democratic choice to vote for for Donald Trump. How hard has it been, Jesse, being at the forefront at the tip of the spear on this? You guys are definitely setting the precedent for what a candidate looks like moving forward on either side of the aisle who is, you know, repressed in such a fashion and, and persecuted, in some cases prosecuted by their opponents in a political fashion and, and civilly, as become the case with Donald Trump in places like New York, etc., to be able to set the new standard moving forward that it doesn't matter whether or not you like the candidate, you liked his policies, you liked what he did, or you're trying to instill fear that there's a possibility that they could get into the White House again in Donald Trump's case, but you're not going to be able to just blindly use lawfare after all of these cases have been resolved to stop your political opponent from getting on the ballots and participating in elections because that's just not what our country was founded on. Yeah, that, that's right. It's it's not what our, our country is founded on. It's why it's so important to, to put a stop to this. But let me go a step further. And one of the things that's extremely important that we do is hold the people out there right now that are using our judicial system in order to advance their political agenda, uh, you know, regardless of those are, um, you know, our prosecutors or, or judicial officer, whoever they may may be, they are violating the law. Um, and one of the most important things that we can do is hold them accountable um, in the, the next can, uh, administration, because as long as the left thinks that they can do whatever they want to America first citizens in this country, you know, starting, of course, with with Donald Trump. But we all know that it's that they're going after all of us. As long as they think that they can get away with this, they will continue to do it. We need accountability in our in our system. I think we need a special counsel to come in and look at, for instance, at prosecutorial misconduct throughout this country, yes. and uh, especially as, as it is in, in politics. We need to do that. It's critically important. Yeah, you would think something, as, as all the videos we've seen of people like Letitia James and, and the prosecutor down in Georgia who went out and made all of these TikToks and Facebook videos where, like, dancing in the street saying, like, I'm literally going to make the president of the United States' life miserable legally. I'm going to you know, make him broke. I'm going to keep him in court. I'm going to stop him. You you would think you would be able to bring that to any judge and be like, okay, do you see this case, which is, you know, very thin and and pretty much biased at the very least. And the person that's bringing it against him now and any judge would throw out any kind of ruling, but not in in a Joe Biden under a Joe Biden regime and not in the face of, you know, all the stuff we've got going on at the DOJ and stemming out to the, these major state, especially swing state lawsuits that are going on against president Trump. It's crazy. So, Jesse, we're going to be live linking your website and the law firm in the show description today. Anybody that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? Uh, at Jay Banal. That's at J-B-I-N-N-A-L-L. You can find me there on True Social or X um, or Instagram. This is the constitutional attorney who's fighting at the tip of the spear for America First. Jesse Banal, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Almost three years in office. Inflation is up over 17% since President Biden came here. Inflation, inflation, inflation is moderating because of the actions that this person, this president has taken. Doesn't because the prices are going up slower, be, they're still high. It's going down. The prices are going down. If you look at where, example, for a perfect example, I mean, I just talked about last week how turkey prices, the tur- cost for turkeys is going down, the cost for eggs is going down because of the actions that were taken. Which I just talked about supply chain and how that affects the economy, and that's because of the president's action that he's taken. And if you think about Shutting gas down prices, it's companies. down by $1.70 since its peak, since its peak because of the actions that this president has taken. So we understand that people are still not feeling it. We get that. 
But doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to talk about it. Doesn't mean that the president at two o'clock is not going to talk about how he's lowering cost, right? And let's not forget what Republicans are doing on the other side of, of uh, again, Pennsylvania Avenue. Hey. They're trying to increase health care costs. They want to get rid of Medicare. They want to get rid of uh, Social Security. That is something still that we saw that them try yes. to do really? at the State of the Union, right? We They do that over and over and over again. They want to make sure the millionaires and billionaires are, are actually uh, getting the benefits, right? And so that's not, that's not our way. Our way is to build the middle class from the bottom up, middle out, and the president believes in that, he oh. talks about it, you're oh. going to hear him talk about it in about an hour, oh, and that's going to be our focus. Well, they're still just saying the same shit that doesn't mean anything. No, we're, we're both members of the middle class. Yeah. How do you feel about the growth you've done over the past nearly three years now from the bottom up and the middle mm. out? Well, the amount of money I've spent on gas alone... Astronomical? Probably almost knocked me out of the middle class. <laughs> True story. <laughs> hey, there's been parts of this year where I, I have never lived paycheck to paycheck in my adult life. And, and yes, you do incur yourself with extra. I mean, first world problems, talking about paying for all my kids extra stuff like their sports clubs and travel teams. But during the Trump administration, it was never like you had to worry about it. There's always that extra money, those less taxes, and everything cost half the price. Mm -hmm. And they talk about prices coming down. You had the greatest inflation rate numbers in the history of our planet like 19 months ago and to say that anything below that but still well within a normal range is prices coming down you're fucking insane yeah that's just you're just catering to the people that believe everything you say mm. and no one else listen the economy is something that donald trump's not getting off of it's not something that we're going to take our eyes off of either we've got so many experts that have come in here and, and talked about the ins and outs of it. We've got supply chain expert Jim Nels. He'll be coming back in on Friday's show, I believe. And, you know, these people are at the forefront of what's really going on with your dollar and seeing what's happening to it on a global scale. And I don't know a person that's completely satisfied or someone who doesn't worry about this on a regular basis. Buy gold. We don't have a promo code, but just invest in something. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. You know. Invest in ammunition. That, too, that is the gold standard, to be honest with you. <laughs> she talked about Joe Biden's speech. We played a small excerpt from it before when he was trying to crap on MAGA Republicans, but he was flanked by the transportation secretary. <laughs> Man who can identify a racist bridge from a mile away. Mm. Mayor Pete. Good old Mayor Pete. You ready for this one? No. Watch Joe Biden try to read the teleprompter here for a minute. <laughs> President of the United States, Joe Biden. Secretary Buttigieg, uh, thank you for being here today. From Turkey to air travel to tank of gas, costs went down. To helping family farmers and family farms access fertilizer, the need to grow food. So many of us and so many that so many of us enjoyed in Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm charging this group to ensure that our supply chains remain secure, diversified, resilient, and do all and into the future. Fortunately. Uh, we've been able to push back on Republican, MAGA Republicans so far. They haven't given up. They still want to undo this progress we're making. They're proposing cuts in investments in roads, bridges, the internet, high-speed internet, the very things that provided from the, anyway, it's across the board. Wow. And they want to go, go back to the bad old days when corporations looked around the world to find the cheapest labor they could find 
to send the jobs overseas Wait, and then import the products back to the United States. What? Folks, we're not importing anything other than what we make. What? We don't have to send. We're not importing anything? We don't have to import anything anymore. Other we, than the things that we make? We brought in 10 million new cheap laborers to work. Yeah. I guess if they're actually going to work and not just be on welfare. My goodness. But anyway. That man's going to walk into a room and tell a dictator like Emperor Xi or President Putin or the leader of Hamas. Don't. Don't. And they're going to be like, who is this guy? The fuck is he talking about? What smells like a dirty diaper in here? Yeah. Don't poop your pants. And if you've noticed, anytime we've played somebody who's kind of parroting those bullet points that they get from the DNC emails, obviously for the last week and a half, it's like, come on, Jack, the cost of turkey, the cost of fuel, the cost of this, that, and the other thing have gone down drastically since last year when it was at the highest prices in the history of the galaxy. Wait, so where is this internet stuff coming from? Is the internet thing coming from them going against Biden's weird totalitarian control fucking effort that he's got going on with the, like, just controlling the, the entire internet? Joe Biden's trying to give free internet to poor people as part of the new pandering scheme mm-hmm. heading into the election year. So they want to they want to give people free broadband because they think that the internet is a human right. I'm not joking. Hmm. No, but I thought there was like some other weird control aspect that was happening too. Well, I'm pretty sure the internet that they're going to be providing is pretty controlled. Yeah. And censored. I mean, it's not like Google doesn't already do that for them. Well, and then after they roll that out, they're just like, all right, well, now this is just a public utility. We're just going to have all these conglomerates merge in under under one corporation, which is the government. Mm-hmm. We do have former Ambassador Jeff Gunter coming in. He's going to touch on a couple of these things, especially the economy and what we began the show on, talking about the Israel-Hamas ceasefire. But before I do, I've got one more. I saw on Fox News Sunday... Biden economic advisor, Jared Bernstein, continued to parrot that rhetoric that America is economically moving in the right direction. She kind of held him to account. This guy's an absolute fucking dumpster fire. Let's hear it. You mentioned the SPRO, so I want to know, yeah. because we keep getting these questions so we about what it's going to fill, We've refill. started to refill the SPRO. One of the things that uh, the president did was uh, uh, ensure that when we, when we got to buy barrels of oil to refill the SPRO, they'll cost a lot less than what we sold them for. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've started to refill uh, with, ga- with oil uh, prices around 75 a barrel. Remember, we sold that, that oil for about 95 a barrel, so there's a little arbitrage there from the uh, commander-in-chief. Arbitrage? Uh, so look... I think if the question needs to be, not are those polls right or wrong, people are telling us how they feel. Mm -hmm. We have to look at two nuanced points. One, are we moving in a direction that will reach the American worker, the American consumer? Are real wages rising? Yes. Is the job market tight as it's ever been? Yes. Is inflation down two thirds from its peak? Absolutely. Are prices coming down for gas, for airline tickets, for car rentals, for eggs, uh, for groceries at the uh, lowest inflation in two years? All of that is a yes. So we are moving in the right direction. We've got more work to do for it to reach average Americans, who, by the way, are telling us through their consumer behavior uh, that they're feeling pretty good about their own financial conditions. Well, they don't. And that's the thing. Mm. No, here's the deal. Like, level with me here. It's Thanksgiving. Yep, it was. You're poor. Yep. But you've got family coming over. Uh Uh-huh. 
he says that the Americans are responding by showing them what they're buying. No matter what, if you could do it and it's humanly possible, are you going to make that Thanksgiving look as traditionally as it has historically over the course of other years when you lived maybe a more prosperous life? I'd like to. But, I mean, you're not going to put, like, crackers and sardines out as Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to go and put that money on your credit card. You're going to go. Oh, I'm going to fuck myself for the next six months. Get a payday loan or dip into savings. And, you know, I I think the biggest and most funny thing about all this, and I'm so glad we don't sell merch, but did you see all the non-Black Friday activity across the world, especially in the United States this year? Besides looting? There was none. Essentially none compared to years past. There, there was like so many videos out there on social media where like these major department stores, electronic stores, all these places that usually have people like kicking the doors in. Like they'd open up the door and there'd be like one or two people standing out there, and it was just like, I spent my entire paycheck on Thanksgiving dinner and and opening up my home to my family, so I can't participate in Black Friday shopping. I have to wait a couple of weeks to buy my Christmas presents now, and for people that don't think. That's what the American public identifies with. Right? That's where they're at. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a trillion dollars plus in credit card debt across the country right now. That's fucking wild. Well, and then the interest rates automatically bump up based on what's going on too. Like you went from having a high, like thinking a high interest rate is 18% and then maybe one of your cards just went up to 25%. Yep. That's an astronomical amount of money. That is unrecoverable once you get to a certain point. Sure. And for these people that had historically good credit or repaired their credit during the Trump administration and, and had available to them larger loan amounts. Or paid themselves down and now they're just right back where they started. Yep. Or or got credit cards for the first time during the Trump administration. And let's just say they've never had something like ten or $20,000 of credit and how fast that could spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. It's going to take decades in, in the long term. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where if we don't continue to keep this at the forefront of your guys' minds. You might think about other things when you're getting ready to go to the ballot box or making a decision on a political candidate. And listen, less than three years ago, we have a perfect example of what prosperity looked like. Whether or not you want to suck it up and admit it, that's going to be the case to make over the course of the next 12 months. We're getting ready to jump in with Ambassador Gunter right now. But before we do, let's check in with one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code stake here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash stake for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash stake, or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's the former ambassador to Iceland who served during the Trump administration. He's also a doctor, diplomat, an America First Patriot who's running for the Senate in the great state of Nevada. Dr. Jeff Gunter, welcome back to the show. Hey, you guys. Awesome to be here. Uh, you're doing amazing work, God's work, especially in these times now, <laughs> as we can see. It's been uh, pretty wild. You know, we, we want to touch on everything that's going on with you in the campaign first before we get into some of the issues. You want to give our listenership a little bit of update on what you got going on? 
Yeah, things are going fantastic. I think I'm, uh, if not the uh, strongest, strongest U.S. Senate candidate on uh, social media and digital fundraising. So what that really means is we're getting basically a huge group of donors that are very, very, very excited and showing it with their with their dollars, whether it's five dollars, ten dollars, or twenty five dollars. It's really uh, it's been fantastic and motivating and very excited. The campaign's going great. And as you know, we are the America first team. I mean, the policies of Donald Trump have helped America dramatically. It's a stark contrast to the disaster that we're seeing in the Biden administration, starting off with Afghanistan and the disasters that we saw in Ukraine. And now the whole Middle East is on fire. And as we know, weakness invites aggression. And that's really uh, that's really uh, what we've seen with the Biden administration and Trump was 110%, you know, strength and strength creates peace around the world. And that's what we did in, is, uh, in the administration. And we're definitely seeing the opposite of that now. Now, when you're talking about being out there on the campaign trail, obviously there's going to be a couple of choices in Nevada. There's definitely a, a huge divide between you and one of the other candidates running who ran in the last election cycle as well, Sam Brown. He is definitely tied to the establishment, definitely looks like someone who's going to be loyal to uh, the anti-Trump senator, Mitch McConnell, up there on Capitol Hill. How are you explaining to the constituents out there when you're hitting the ground running or you're doing stuff on social media that how important of a of – a, choice they have when it comes to the Nevada Senate race, simply because the legislation that needs to get passed next year to get America back on track. A hundred percent. I mean, we have seen what the rhinos absolutely did to Donald Trump the minute he got into the White House. Just a little tidbit, Katie Walsh is actually the general consultant who is running Scam Brown's campaign right now. So she was personally escorted out of the White House after about three months. Uh, and, you know, uh, according to media reports, was one of the prime leakers uh, yeah. in the Donald Trump administration early on. So what we can see, and we've talked about this before, insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting a different result. This time around with the Trump administration, we will not have individuals in there when Donald Trump is elected who are rhinos who are going to work against him, like Scam Brown. I mean, he's just 100% beholden to the deep state, beholden to Mitch McConnell, beholden to deep state Danes, and they're trying to shove him on the people of Nevada. And let's face it, uh, Nevadans see it. They don't like it. They don't want it. They don't like Mitch McConnell. They don't want the D.C. elites. And here in Nevada, we are a battle-born, battle-born state. And uh, we see it, and we uh, draw the contrast. Look at Scam Brown has not even endorsed President Trump. How can you not endorse a president who brought us 1% or less inflation, 3.5% unemployment, closed borders, stopping fentanyl from killing our kids, and not having a single, single service member dying in 18 months. How can you not endorse an individual those policies? And it's very easy, because him and the deep, the deep state elites and the Mitch McConnells and the big donors are all in bed together on this one, trying to do anything and everything to stop myself and Donald Trump. We often hear Donald Trump say, so truthfully so, they're not after Donald Trump. They're after the people of America, and he's just in the way. Well, I got news for you. They're not after me. They're after Donald Trump. But Jeff Gunter for U.S. Senate is 110% in their way. 
it's fantastic to see how you've rolled this out, Dr. Gunter, and uh, are looking strong, especially when, listen, there's going to be a lot to be said if you guys can get to a debate stage at some point. And if that happens, I think those receipts are going to be ones that Sam Brown cannot run away from. We've been saying it for the last almost four years now, and it seems like now that there's a real America First candidate in there, not like last election cycle where as soon as the Senate race was over, he bailed and ran over to the Ron DeSantis team, uh, is really someone who not only worked for the president and supported the president, but is a huge advocate of his policies and why they work for Nevada a place where we see things that we never saw before. Gas prices in Nevada, unemployment in Nevada, fentanyl debts in Nevada, crime in Nevada, low educational goals being met in Nevada, things that we've never seen before in that state. And then you have all the natural resources that are usually, you know, come out of Nevada that Joe Biden has just absolutely crushed that sector and is repressing that entire job market there to where, you know, it's it's almost something that becomes extinct if Donald Trump doesn't win next year and we don't get the right senators in there to back him up. 110%. I mean, it's the economy, and it's so important. That is the great liberator in America, is the economy. Getting rid of unnecessary taxes, getting rid of unnecessary regulations, and that's what we want to do here in Nevada. We want to live our lives. We want to take care of our families. We want to advance American freedom across the board, and the great red wave will be starting here in Nevada as we replace Jackie Rosen. As we know, she's just a huge rubber stamp for Joe Biden's failed, failed, and failed policies over and over and over again. And you're 100% right. Uh, We have an America first policy in myself and someone who's not only talked the talk, but someone who's walked the walk already against the D.C. elites, being part of the Trump administration and supporting the greatest president we've had ever since Abraham Lincoln, Donald Trump. And the campaign's going fantastic and people see it and smell it. And they can sniff out Sam Brown. They see that he does these kind of bogus donor uh, online campaigns where 2% of the money, 2% of the money goes to those who he actually promised, and the rest went to pay off his uh, country club bills in Texas. He's a failed politician. He's owned, owned, owned by Mitch McConnell. He's owned by the deep state. And, And quite frankly, they're petrified of me. They're failing. They tried so hard to get me not to enter this rate, whether it's face to face meetings with the deep state Danes, whether it's threatening various vendors that I've been using of them not to work with me. Why? Because I'm America first, plain and simple. Just like the president of the United States, I have one, one constituency, and that's the people of Nevada. And the president has the people of America, and we are unpersuadable. We will always, always, always do the right thing. And that's why, uh, that's why I'm going to be the next U.S. senator from the state of Nevada, plain and simple. People yeah. see it. They smell it and they get it. We're looking for this race to heat up ahead of the February 8th primary there. It's going to be absolutely wild heading into the holiday season. Dr. Gunder, last thing I want to touch with you on, I mean, it's you're just not being responsible if you don't have someone with your experience on the show and don't touch on some of the geopolitical stuff that's going on right now. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you've watched with an attentive eye all the stuff that's gone on in Israel since October 7th. You've seen the failed foreign policy of the Biden regime on display for all the world to see. And now you see even in between the ceasefire negotiations and the prisoner exchange. We have no Americans coming out of there. You know, John Kirby and Jake Sullivan over the last 48 hours said they don't even honestly know how many prisoners are being held in Gaza or even what their sex is. They're assuming that it's less than 10 and that they're all males, but those are just guesses at this point. You know, when, when Donald Trump was in office, number one, something like the October 7th attack wouldn't have happened. And if there was any kind of skirmish between Israel and Gaza, I'm pretty sure he would have gotten them to a lot more peaceful resolution than we're going to now. But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. 
As you see this stuff kind of spiraling out of control and sat on the other end of these, the table from some of these highest diplomats in the region, including Israel, over the course of your time as ambassador to Iceland, what is Joe Biden and, and Jake Sullivan and that State Department and the Department of Defense failing in right now that they have to get back on track to, to not allow this to turn into another regional war, something America can't just take on right now? I mean, it's clear that it's just pure and simple peace through strength. Um, this would never have happened, never have happened with Donald Trump. And people say, well, how do you know that for sure? Well, why don't you go ask Soleimani? Why don't you, why don't you, you know, how do I know for sure? Go ask Soleimani. Oh, I still smell the smoke from Soleimani. I mean, they crossed the red line. President Trump made it loud and clear what the, what the penalties would be. And uh, we took him out proudly so. He had American blood on his hands. Iran crossed the line and Donald Trump took him out. So the example is set right there. Again, as mentioned earlier, we didn't lose a single service member for 18 months. People don't mess with Donald Trump. He's smart. He's fair, but he's very unpredictable. And he had the respect of all the countries around the world, from North Korea to China to even Putin in Russia. They don't mess with Donald Trump. Why? Because he's peace through strength. He says what he does and he does what he says. And as we can see with Joe Biden, you know, he offered up a, offer, he offered up a slice of Ukraine. And guess what? Putin took him at the, at the fair market value and took a slice of Ukraine. And what do we have? We have another endless war going on with billions and billions of dollars that we're spending abroad that we could be spending securing our own border and taking care of Americans here. So absolutely, I believe Donald Trump in the first 24 hours of his presidency would stop all the all the uh, killing that we see going on in Ukraine, and he would make it incredibly clear, incredibly clear to Iran and Hezbollah and Hamas that this is a dead-end road that they're heading, and they better cut it out, or they or their top leadership will end up like Soleimani. And the example is set, and that's what Donald Trump would do, and America would be safer and stronger, and the world would be freer because of it. No, it's it's the truth right there. You know, you, you joked about Salmani, but it is absolutely the fact. Look at how Iran just bent the knee after he was kind of smeared on an Iraqi tarmac back in the day. And then when you talk about people like Baghdadi or even Donald Trump's really good friend, the uh, head of the Taliban, Abdul, he wanted to know why Donald Trump sent him pictures of his home. <laughs> Abdul. And, and pictures of his family. Abdul. He, he, Abdul. <laughs> he didn't know why he would send him these pictures, but we do know why. You've, you've outlined it so well. It's peace through strength. You know, and, and what Joe Biden's doing to Israel right now, kind of pinning their arm at one point while allowing not only the rest of the region, but media all over the world to run with a narrative that they're in the wrong after they were so unmercifully attacked on October 7th. It, it's just wild to see how this is kind of all spun out of control. We're going to continue to keep an eye on it, much like we do your campaign. Uh, Dr. Gunter, we're going to have you back in December, of course, and be looking forward to track all the great stuff you've got going on. We're going to be live linking your campaign website in the show description today. But for anyone that wants to follow you on social media, where can they check you out? Uh, DrJeffGunter.com, DrJeffGunter.com. Follow us on uh, on Twitter. But I'll, let me add with one thing, okay? If you give money to McDonald's, what do you get? Good food and good hamburgers. If you give money to Nike, what do you get? Very nice, comfortable shoes. If you give money to Iran, whether it's unfreezing $6 billion or over $70 billion of petrodollars, what do you get? You get tear and havoc and attacks on America around the world. True. And that's exactly what we're getting with this current administration. And when I'm the next U.S. Senator in Nevada, all that will stop. 
I will be incredibly loyal to the people of Nevada, as well as all of American first policies. And uh, we will make Nevada great again and make America great again. And God bless you guys for having me. We love having you on the show. He brought the fire and the fury today. This is the former ambassador to Iceland, doctor, diplomat, and candidate for the Senate in the great state of Nevada. Dr. Jeff Gunter, thanks for joining us on the show. You bet. You guys rock. Thank you. You know, the only way to catch Donald Trump is to actually go after Donald Trump. Um, and I think I'm the only candidate in this race is actually doing that. You know, I heard Governor Haley yesterday say, um, you know, that uh, he's the right president for the right time. And that drama just seems to follow him as if he's an innocent victim in that. Like when you subvert the Constitution, oh, God. some drama will ensue. When you try to block a valid election, when you lie to the American people and tell them election was stolen when it wasn't, um, when you, you know, send out a deranged uh, social media post at two o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving morning, talking about all the people you're thankful that you hate. We read it. Um, that's why <laughs> drama is there, because he creates it. And so for Governor Haley to act as if Donald Trump is some kind of innocent victim is a problem because she's trying to be everything to everybody. And you can't. And that eventually gets discovered. And, you know, that's why I don't worry necessarily about where the polls stand now. All right, jumping back in, last new segment of the show here. We still got Ed Martin, who works with the Patriot Freedom Project, talking about all the Christmas spirit he's getting ready to bring coming in on the back end. But I think it's very important to stay in the thread of what we were just talking about before we jumped in with Ambassador Gunter, and that's the choices you're going to have in 2024. We're going to show you in just a very short amount of time the preview for how wild this next year is supposed to be. I think, Noah, you could probably agree with that. Mm -hmm. A couple side notes, though. We'll do some polls. So today's the funeral for... Rosalind Carter, the recently departed wife of the former president, Noah. Uh, Melania Trump made a public appearance as the representative of the Trump family at the funeral. I also want to note to our listenership, it's been pretty interesting to watch, you know, former president Carter has been in hospice care for well over six months now. They actually got him to the funeral today and he was able to walk into the chapel and sit in the front row for the service. So kind of cool to see someone who's soon to be departed, uh, still kicking, as Donald Trump puts him, the second worst president in the history of presidents, mm. <laughs> only behind Joe Biden, who knocked the peanut farmer down to number two. Um, but, you know, you, you talk about people like Chris Christie, who's essentially, he's a commentator now. Uh, he, he's, whatever he's doing, and he doesn't participate in these debates. He just tries to, like, make fun of people and tell everybody he's going to hold Donald Trump accountable. That's never going to happen. That's probably the wettest dream in the history of puberty. Mm -hmm. But... What can you say other than to watch these people when you have every single person on the left out there? You've got Hillary Clinton. You've got Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg. You've got the economic advisor, Jared Bernstein. You've got Jake Sullivan out there, KJP, all throughout the weekend. And then all these shitty Republicans. You know, you've got Mitt Romney and his wife. You've got Chris Christie all out there on the campaign trail saying negative stuff about Donald Trump. It should be pretty eye-opening onto the amount of fear that these people have in regards to a second Trump presidency. You know, as Jesse Benal alluded to, holding these, well, starting at the Department of Justice and working your way down, people accountable for just playing lawfare and being fake and everything, not like these polls that have come out lately, is probably priority number one for Donald Trump and, and falls right in line with I will be your retribution. Morning console poll from today, which is Tuesday, 2024 National Republican Primary, Donald Trump 64%, Ron DeSantis 14, Haley 10, Ramaswamy 6, Christie 3, 
Hutchinson and Bergen, both at one. Embarrassment. You know, these people, they have no shame. They have no dignity. Mm-mm. And, uh, you know, what we're going to see over the course of the next 12 months is going to be stuff that is going to blow your mind when you take into context what happened during not only the end of the 2016 presidential election cycle, but all the stuff that happened leading up to 2020. It's going to be 10 times over. You know, the people who put money on this stuff, Noah, um, the betting markets for the polls, you know, they have like those, you know, things they play in, in Vegas and stuff like that, the odds makers. Mm-hmm. So on this day, which was yesterday in 2019, poll averages had Joe Biden plus 10 versus Donald Trump. On this day in 2015, this same pollster had Hillary Clinton plus four against Donald Trump. Mm. And when you look at the averages right now for the RCP betting, real clear politics betting, Donald Trump is at 35.7%. Joe Biden is at 27.7. So an eight-point advantage for Donald Trump. And then when you look at the real clear politics aggregates of going on, and this is like Emerson, Morning Consult, The Messenger, Harvard Harris, Reuters, all these ones that don't like Donald Trump, NBC News, Quinnipiac, Yahoo News, all of them. Trump plus 2.3, Trump plus 4, Trump plus 3, Trump plus 6, Trump plus 6, Trump plus 2, Trump plus 1, etc. Joe Biden only leads in Rasmussen reports right now. Joe Biden at a 4% margin. And the tip poll uh, has Joe Biden at 2. You have the other 10 all have Donald Trump at a minimum of 2 points ahead in a national poll, head-to-head only, and as many as 6 or 7 points up in the general election race. So, you know, the, the polling data is not lying, and it, and it goes to what a lot of the Americans are saying about how they feel when you talk about this holiday season and how bad the Biden administration has been for them. Um, we will start to see things like repression of voices and accounts and narratives on social media, and Noah's favorite former varsity co-captain of the Beverly Hills men's tennis team. Ollie? Alejandro Ali Mayorkas is at an Axios Google, two of the biggest names in fake news and conservative voice repression summit, where he's talking about how (laughs) politicizing social media is number one on his list. Let's check it out. Politicization of some of our core security responsibilities um, is extraordinarily worrisome. When I speak of digital literacy, I speak of... Um, some very fundamental education uh, programs. And that requires a collective action. It is not exclusively within the province of the government, nor is it exclusively in the hands of local authorities. We've got to all be in this together. We're in this together. So what he's confirming is tanks on your front lawn, much like we've seen with a lot of the January 6th defendants who they're still running after. Well, at least finally he's got some data. Um... Yes, I do. That's not the most eyebrow-raising thing I've heard all day today, though. Mm. No, this is a good one. So we've teased a little bit on the show. One of the founders of Black Lives Matter. Yes, oh, that's amazing. That Black Lives oh, Matter. Amazing. And the current, I don't know, chair of the Rhode Island delegation of Black Lives Matter was live on Fox News this morning talking about the upcoming 2024 presidential election. And if you haven't heard it yet, <laughs> his endorsement for the president of the United States might shock you. You might want to take a rip off the inhaler before is he you hear still, this one. Is he still 
like active with the, the, the organization? Yeah. He's the Rhode Island chair of BLM. I mean, like, still after saying that, I mean. Well, I'm sure he didn't kill himself. Oh. Let's check it out. As a matter of Rhode Island, Mark Fisher. Mark, thanks so much for joining the program. Um, you know, this is my favorite story of the day hmm. because it identifies with what I've seen in the barbershop. All the brothers, for some reason right now, say are right. turning tides right now. And I, I just wonder, what is the big reason? The brothers. I think personally, it's the duplicity of the Democrats. Hmm. The hypocrisy. Um, we're not stupid. The brothers are not stupid. We, we understand when someone's for us and when someone is not. And it's obvious that the Democratic Party is not for us. Yeah, I, I can't. Their, party, their, their policies actually strike at the heart of the black family and the nuclear family. Yeah. So, you know, you were part of Black Lives Matter. Uh, you founded it there. And now you're saying you're, you're not saying the entire Republican Party. You're saying Donald Trump. So what is it about Donald Trump? Is it the economics? Uh, you noted the black family. What is it going to take for him to sure up this support amongst uh, black voters? Very important to listen to. Well, I just, I just think that it's going to take information. A lot of people are misinformed. They don't really understand because they don't educate themselves on, on Donald Trump as a person and his history. Um, but if they do that, and it's going to take, you know, leaders, educated leaders, getting the word out there. Um, I think that it, it'll happen on its own and it'll be organic because um, personally, I love the man. I mean, how could you not like wow. a real man? Uh, how could you not relate to someone like that? <clears throat> yeah, he, he watches every morning. So I'm sure he's cheering a, a, as you're saying this. We looked at some of the polls for Trump over uh, over Biden in the battleground states in 2020. It was eight percent. Now in 2023, he has 22 percent. And that's just not black men. So uh, election, the election is right around the corner. If you had the opportunity to talk to the former president, I'm sure he's watching right now. What would you tell him? Call me. I'm my cell phone, man. I'll stop for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, I I'm fascinated by you. Why, why did you end up leaving Black Lives Matter? Or are you still affiliated with it? No, no, no. I'm still affiliated with it. Um, all day. There's it, your answer, Noah. The yeah. thing about it is, I'm my message that I preach and, and and that I tout is unity. It's a message of unity. It's unity driven. I want to bring together all the marginalized groups from the, the margins and bring them to the center because we're stronger together as a as a one nation under uh, indivisible under God. Yeah. Mark Fisher, I think all Americans can go with a message of unity. We thank you so much for coming on the program. I hope you'll come back and check in with us. Bet you didn't think you were going to hear that one today, Noah. No, that's a surprise. And you want to know, we were talking about messaging. We're talking about people waking up on the show today. They must just be eating themselves just to shit on that guy. Did you hear? I'm going to have to reference. Okay. Happy birthday, Boomer Steve Apparatus Bannon. I think he's 70 today. Hmm. But did you hear the single be amongst the noise? He said, the guy from Black Lives Matter, that he's bringing people out, the marginalized community, and bringing them back to the center where Joe Biden not only campaigned on, but now touts as part of Bidenomics that he's building up that group from the middle out. So I think it's the obvious and big disconnect within these people who have had, you know, proprieted these policies, which have destroyed the middle class. And now has trickled down to starting to destroy lower classes than the middle class. And I think people are starting to realize like, Hey, listen, we as a civilization, and I'm talking about all Americans, cannot survive another four years of this. No. 
And when you talk, want to talk about marginalized communities coming back to the center, what can you do other than change the person who's leading the attack? And in empty suit only, that's Joe Biden. When you look at those poll numbers, just based off of 2020, where Donald Trump was able to garner 8% of the African-American population and now show that that number is skyrocketing in the 20s. I always said if Donald Trump is able to like secure in the mid-teens. That's more than doubled. It's going to be a electoral and probably popular vote landslide. And, and I don't like to say things like that because we've said it in the past and it looked like complete jerk-offs. We try not to say it again. But when you're talking about something that hasn't been achieved in, in that sense, and, and that's not even talking about all the disenfranchised Latinos, the Asians who have been under attack, have gotten kicked out of schools, are not even allowed into them because of all this fucking DEI policy stuff, all the shit that's going on in major cities right now with hate crimes. You're talking about a lot of people coming back to the center here. Yeah. I mean, really, it just goes down to you don't fuck with people's wallets like that. So where this administration looks like they want to keep moving people from the middle out of existence. Ooh. I like that. Uh, Donald Trump and, and you know, Agenda 47 definitely wants to bring them back into the center. We're getting ready to wrap here and jump in with Ed Martin for the first time today. But before we do, and in our last audio clip of the day, Tucky put up one of his newest episodes as he spoke at an event over the weekend. Talked about a lot of different things. It was about 35 minutes total. We got a couple good Tucky laughs. But when he started talking about America right now as a nation being past the political stage and the stuff that we're about to see entering 2024 is going to be some of the stuff that we couldn't even dream could happen in this country, he gives a little bit of a warning. Let's hear it. This is political. This is not political. What we're watching is not political. This is not politics. Politics is a human-conceived system whereby civilized people settle their differences without violence. Or duels. And by consensus. Or duels. Politics describes a negotiation. You want this, I want that. Neither of us is going to get exactly what we want, but we'll each come away thinking we didn't get totally hosed, and we can continue to live together. That's what politics is. And that's why nobody wants to watch it, because it's filled with horse trading and accommodations. No one exits the process pure. Everybody has given up something. That's the nature of it. Skin in the game. We always say it. While it's unattractive, like watching heavyset people have sex, it's absolutely necessary. (laughs) And it's kind of beautiful in its way. I love Tucker without the reins. In its way. Everyone deserves love. And everyone deserves to live in a country governed by politics, not force. You say you hate politics. What's the option? Force. You only get two options. And we're past the political stage. Nothing, that's exactly right, whoever said that. Spiritual. Mm -hmm. Nothing that is happening now, or that has happened for the last five or six years, can be explained through conventional political terms. Period. In a convention, and I hear people miss this all the time. Whatever awful thing is happening, and I've contributed to this endlessly, you find out that someone's getting a vig on something. Someone's making a little money on, on the deal. And you're like, oh, it's all about the money. Follow the money. It's all about the money. I've said this myself a thousand times. Since I quit drinking, I say it less. But still, <laughs> follow the money. And, you know, if it were only about the money, we'd be fine. <laughs> we'd be fine. I miss that. Tucky laugh. Because I understand that. Just in the same way that I understand, being totally honest here, most crimes. I understand most crimes. I wouldn't commit them because the penalty is too high and you try to be a decent person. But when someone who is poor robs a bank, or even if someone who's greedy robs a bank, 
Or someone who's greedy makes up a fake cryptocurrency and buys his parents' houses in the Bahamas. <laughs> Not pointing at you, Sam Bankman-Fried, but I'm just saying, I get it. I don't approve of it, but it makes sense to me. It's explicable. If people do something for power, I understand it. You cheat in an election so you can become president, even though you're seen out. That has happened, I'm just telling you. Well, you want to run things. You want to be in charge. I get it. The lust for power is ugly. It's a sin. But it's certainly not foreign to anybody who's alive. We all know that feeling. It's totally recognizable. That's not what's happening. What's happening is bad behavior for its own sake. There is no upside to the great trends of our age. There's no upside to pushing transgenderism on kids. Period. None. Not for the kid, not for the society at large, not for the parents who will never have grandchildren. There's no upside. So why are they doing that? Now you've got to figure there's some percentage of the population that you know, decides I want to switch genders, whatever. We've had that. That's a long-standing thing. But it involved you know, a hundredth of one percent of the population. If 40% of like, the girls in your kid's eighth grade class identify as non-binary, that's being pushed on them. Mm-hmm. That's not an organic conclusion they have reached. That is, someone has decided to tell them that there are more than two sexes, and of course there aren't. And, but why is that person doing it? Is it really a conspiracy from gender clinics? I mean, maybe to some extent, but it's bigger than that. What you're seeing is evil done for its own sake. Hurting people done for the sake of hurting people. That's exactly what you're seeing. And he makes some excellent points there. Yeah. This goes so outside of normal politics. We, tr- we try to say it, but it's laid out very well there. And, and, and it starts in places like the home, immediate home, and your wallet. Extends down to things like kids. And then you start to talk about the disintegration of the support structure that you have in your community with crime, illegals, drugs, homelessness, unemployment. And then by the dam gets too many cracks in it. I mean, no, you can agree to this. You've seen the way Sandy, you've been here your whole life. I've been here for 25 years. This place was night and day a different city when I first moved here in the late 90s. Yeah, it was, it's ridiculous. This place is an absolute fucking shithole. It, the, the homeless encampments... Like, when you actually go drive on, like, the outskirts of downtown San Diego, it looks like a third-world country. Yeah. It's scary and smelly, but but scary because of the threat of what could happen. These people are mentally unstable. These are criminals who aren't kept in prison or put in mental institutions where they belong. Everything's allowed to run rampant down there from the drug use to the crime. And, and that's just a microcosm of what's going on all across the country. And the thing is, and the lesson that you got to learn today after hearing and going through the show, the guests, the way everybody kind of, you know, none of these guests talk to each other before they come on, but it seems like they've all connected the narrative we've had on the show today because once the fires get too big or there's too many of them to put out, how could you focus on something as what you think is minuscule as politics? You can't. And that's why you have to have people promoting and educating you with the alternative choices to what we've got going on now and what we've got going moving forward. We're going to be talking about making Christmases great again with a lot of the J6 families who have been caught up with all the shit that's going on at the Department of Justice when we sit down with Ed Martin for the first time today. But before we do that, let's check in one more time with one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. 
The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. The cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he is the president of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a radio host for the Pro-America Report. We're very excited to be sitting down for the first time with Mr. Ed Martin. Ed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Great to be with you. I appreciate all that you have been doing to uh, get good voices out and getting your voices louder. I think it's a great service. So glad to be with you. And we're glad to be hosting. You know, a lot of our listenership might not be familiar with the name Ed Martin, but we could tell you after for years now (laughs) working. Listen, behind the scenes is where a lot of the stuff that really matters happens, Ed. I, I think you could probably attest to that more than just about anybody. And when you talk about all the stuff that's going on with the J6 families and the defendants who are caught up in getting you know, their families ripped apart, especially during this holiday season and still going on to this date. The work that you've done behind the scenes is, is kind of unparalleled to a lot of people that have, you know, attempted to do it or, or kind of jumped on as, oh, yeah, maybe I'll be able to get some fame and notoriety from this. This isn't the case with people like you and Cynthia Hughes, who was on our last episode of the show, who's a great friend to steak for breakfast and has been doing it just as long as you have as well. You want to tell our listenership a little bit about what you've been doing behind the scenes for, you know, yeah. with the Patriot yeah. Freedom Project yeah. and all these families? Well, thank you for uh, asking me that, and uh, and I'll tell you that um, the late Phyllis Schlafly, who for whom uh, I worked, and we were talking about her just before we started, um, she started when she was in her early 20s, which was in the 19th. 19- and she worked uh, all the way up until the week before uh, the week the week she died. She published we published a book, uh, the Conservative Case for Trump. It was September of 2016, and President Trump came off the campaign trail to go to her funeral. And my, I tell you that because what Phyllis taught us uh, was to run towards the sound of the fight, um, and that you know if you were going to wait and see if it worked out, you were going to be left out of the most important work and the most important opportunities. And that doesn't always mean that you're popular. It doesn't mean that you're always uh, on the side of the big donors. I don't know if you guys probably saw the news. The Koch brothers or the Koch network is coming into the presidential races. Uh, you know, that's big money and it's it's not good money, in my opinion. But uh, but what Phyllis taught was run towards the fight. And over the last uh, five or six years, um, when she was alive, she ran towards the fight for America first. Uh, she was an early supporter of Donald Trump, not because she thought he was a great candidate, although she did, but because she saw in him on the border, on the multilateral trade deals on the use of America's military, a guy that understood we got to put our own people first. And so when it came to January 6th, first of all, I was involved right after the election in 2020. I had been an election official in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from, and I knew something was wrong with the election. So I was active in every aspect of the protest movement and trying to help get litigation going and all those things, um, including up to January 6th. I was there at the president's speech. I was there at the Capitol, although I was late uh, to the Capitol. I kind of went right past it and went to my office. But I saw everything. And after that happened, when it came to January 6th, most of the good lawyers, most of the good people stepped back 
from the fight because they were afraid of what the media was doing. They were afraid of what the establishment in both parties was doing. And, uh, you know, I was trained by Phyllis. I stepped towards the fight. And, you know, sometimes God gives you a, a gift. And one of the gifts that God gave me was in 1998, when I passed the Missouri bar as a lawyer, I looked around the country and I said, are there any places I could just pay a fee and wave into the bar so I wouldn't have to take that stupid exam again? <laughs> and one of them was Washington, D.C. And so in 1998, I, I waved into the D.C. bar and 20 plus years later, when we had the need, I was able to use my law license to represent uh, some of the defendants. And that's how I got, first of all, knee deep into January 6th, guys that were in the jail here in D.C. And then I got introduced to Cynthia Hughes and, and we decided to try to help the families very specifically. So um, it has been an extraordinary very privileged, as you point out, and and um, and I'm grateful that God put us there, and that we have the, the the chance to raise our voices like you guys are doing. I will say one thing: people are still afraid of January 6. A lot of sure. good people don't want to help. And I, my thing to you, to to your listeners, and I think your listeners are probably on the the team that wants to help. But we have to break the spell. The January 6th is a marker, a pivot in American history. If we don't break this hoax and break it down completely, our whole country is going to be defined by it. It's being used that way. So uh, join the fight. There's a lot more to do. Now, you know, I, I want to talk specifically about how hard this has been. Obviously, someone who practices law, the minute you were willing to, like you said, run towards the need, <laughs> I'm sure you got pushed back from every single angle. They attack not only you and, and, and what you do for a living, uh, Ed, but, you know, they probably go after your family, other places where you work as well. And, and, and when you saw this whole thing gone down, we've talked to Cynthia so many times, you guys knew that there was some fishy business here, that there were some people who were just getting absolutely railroaded out of the opportunity to have a life based off the narrative that the Democrats and the broken Justice Department wanted to promote. How hard has that been on you and your family working, you know, to defend these people and their families in, in, in you know, in the face of all the negativity that they try to propriety yeah. in front of it? Well, I won't lie to you. That's high risk, um, you know, and I think the high risk is that, I, you know, they come after my bar license and they come after uh, my uh, livelihood. But I, I built a career that's insulated from having to either seek the establishment donors or worry about what people think of me. People like Cynthia Hughes didn't. She's a regular Jersey housewife. You yeah. know, she had a, a regular life and a regular job. And she she takes a lot of the criticism harder than I do. I just kind of know it's part of the game. But but it's vicious. I mean, look, guys, you know this. You, you both have lifted your voices up and, and you have to be smart about it. You have to be careful about it, but it's a vicious, vicious business right now. And if you stand up to the establishment, if you stand up to the deep state, you're going to be targeted. And, you know, it, one good thing I tell people when they get involved, I say, get clean. You know, uh, if you're doing stupid stuff, clean it up because they're going to find it on you. And I, I'm not, I, I tell my kids, I sometimes tease my children who are young. I say, you know, you don't need to worry about uh, God watching everything you do, although he is because <laughs> yeah. big government, big government's watching everything you do. And so that's the same be, behave yourself. But look, I, I would say this, the cost to the families of J6, and I, I don't hear enough people say this, the J6 people that are paying the highest price 
are all working Americans. If you look, here's a secret. If you had money, you lawyered up and most of the money guys got out. They're at home at least fighting it out. If you were working class and you, you know, you, you're, you're stuck in these jails and you're being used as a prop to try to make the country think something about January 6th and about Donald Trump. And I tell people all the time, the people we're helping at the Patriot Freedom Project, you know, patriotfreedomproject.com for people that are checking it out. But the, the people we're helping, they're not worried about their car payment. They're worried about their carburetor. You know, they're not worried about their mortgage. They're worried about rent, right? They're not worried about their kid's college fund. They're worried about trying to make sure the dentist is paid because yeah. their kid broke a tooth. And, and America abandoned these people. These are the thousands or so people that have been run through the ringer. And they're exactly what makes America so spectacular. It's who we are. And I'm telling you, I'm not quitting when we get pardons for everybody. I'm not quitting when we get the the hold accountable, the liars, Liz Cheney and and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Benny Thompson. We're supposed to be nice to this jerk, Benny Thompson, the chairman, because he's a black old guy. So I, I'm sorry. This guy has tortured yep. us as a country. I'm not done. We got to be here for the long haul for these families that got really, really mistreated. Nothing. No one's been mistreated, I think, since probably one the civil war when they stopped uh, uh the 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 pay and the soldiers afterwards and these guys ended up almost rioting over it but anyway that's where we are so uh, the cost is high enough to me and cynthia but it's to these families where it makes me crazy these kids are living with dad in prison and 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 being told it's because of insurrection it's such a lie it's so nasty it's really evil no, they won't let it go either because obviously, and I'm sure you see all the, the states where you have, and I'm air quoting now, Republicans who are trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot because he was, of course. you know, said insurrectionist. They're not going to let that narrative go until they're done with him. We also remind our listenership every time we talk about the J6 stuff, especially when we're dealing with the attorneys and families who are working to help them behind the scenes. Donald Trump is a J6 defendant himself, and the amount of work yep. he's done helping out some of these families, helping out the Patreon Freedom Project, Cynthia, and all those adjacent has been so meaningful to them as well just to give them a little bit of normalcy in their life where it's been absolutely chaotic for just about three years now so Ed, the last thing i want to talk to you about i think this is really important we're, we're about to hit december we're heading into the holiday season we always tell you know our listenership the stats on the show here you've got 66 percent of all americans using over 70 percent of their total income on food fuel and shelter when you take the breadwinner out of that equation for most families in the united states who have been affected by this j6 narrative it gets 10 times harder you guys have the patriot family christmas drive going on right now where yep. you can help out j6 families in need during this holiday season can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah, you know, uh, last year we had an event and, uh, you know, uh, we had a couple of members of Congress. I think MTG came and we raised a bunch of money uh, to use for families, bought presents, had Santa come. This year we're not doing an event. It's logistically difficult for the families to travel. I mean, we had a bunch of the kids, uh, J6 kids there. So we're doing this drive. You go to PatriotFreedomProject.com, you can see it. And and everything we're raising is to give to families uh, to get Christmas gifts. Because, again, it, it, you know, we're blessed. I'm, I'm blessed. I, I, I'll be the first to get... Get down on my knees and thank the Lord. I, I'm not really worried. I'm worried about how my sons want too much stuff and want to play too many video games, and my daughter wants too many clothes, and another daughter wants Taylor Swift junk. Right? I'm worried, but my, my these are first world problems. I, I I'm not worried about the, our J6 families are worried about having Christmas, having a meal, yeah. having gifts. And so if you have the opportunity to say to yourself, "Hey, I'm going to give a, a gift card. I'm going to give some money," uh, it's used immediately to get onto the families for Christmas. The, 
the rest of the year, we're raising money to try to help appeals cases and to try to help, you know, emergency cases. We had some health issues of one of our J6 families, but this is about Christmas. And if you want to make people's lives better, again, this is a low bar because these people aren't living in estates and wanting to have Netflix. These people are living, you know, as you mentioned, you know, paycheck to paycheck. Mom's gone back to work, two jobs to try to make things work. Uh, So PatriotFreedomProject.com, we are ruthlessly good stewards uh, with your money, and we will make sure that the families get and have a a happy Christmas. No, it's absolutely fantastic what you guys are doing, and we'll try to get both of you guys back in before the uh, end of the holiday season, Ed, because... Thank you. Listen, if you can, you have to be able to help out. It's like all these candidates who come in here, the small dollar amounts in any way, shape, or form goes directly to these families, helping put just a little bit of normalcy into their home, food on the table, and maybe something under the tree for their kids. This is the president of the Phyllis Slafly Eagles, the radio host of Pro America Report Daily, Mr. Ed Martin. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for everything you do. Not a bad way to start the week coming out of the Thanksgiving holiday. What do you think, Noah? Definitely not a bad way to start the week. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and want to hear the now over 290 other editions of the show, you best be subscribed to us across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Make sure you're following the show. And then on social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow them, and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down today. Congressman Mike Collins, House candidate, retired Green Beret Joe Kent, former ambassador and current Senate candidate in Nevada, Dr. Jeff Gunter, Trump attorney Jesse Banal, and... Ed Martin, you guys all helped make steak great again. Guys, looks like it's going to be a busy week, but don't worry. We'll be able to bring everything back into perspective on our Friday edition of the show. We've got a great lineup coming in here. Virginia Congressman Bob Good. Matt Couch will be making his steak for breakfast debut. Texas House candidate Dan O'Shea will be back. And NCLU attorney John Pierce will be joining us as well. We'll have Jim Nelson to do a little bit of the news. It should be a banger. So on behalf of the entire pod team, I'm Roan Noah. Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. And take care. Now, some of our clients are speculating that the price of gold will rise in the future. And we have other clients who are speculating that the price of gold is going to fall. They place their orders with us. And we buy or sell their gold for them. Tell them the good part. (laughs) The good part, William, is that uh, no matter whether our clients make money or lose money, uh, Duke and Duke get the commissions. Well, what do you think, Valentine? Well, it sounds to me like you guys are a couple of bookies. (laughs) I told you he'd understand.